Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 227 with my friend, director, and just all around awesome guy and a returning guest to The Collective Podcast, our friend Gavin Rothery. Um, it's been about a year since I've spoken with Gavin and a bit more time, I think, between podcast episodes, but a lot's happened. And uh, it's just a really special episode I know I say that a lot, and and this 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 episode is one of those episodes that really um, reminds me why I need to keep doing these episodes because exposing these conversations I think are really great for everybody. We kind of get into the nitty gritty of everything, and since the last time that um, Gavin and I spoke on the podcast, um, he was aspiring director, and now he's made went off and written, created, and directed his uh, first full length feature film. And it's amazing. I'm, I couldn't be more proud of him. And it's it's just we go deep in nitty gritty stuff. I just got done um, shooting our short film, the Solace um, Star Wars film, and so there's a lot of these really interesting experiences that we've both encountered and that we're sharing here in this episode. So um, if this is this, I think this will find a lot of value for most people that are creative, and especially people that are um, aspiring creatives and directors and just people that are trying to step into different realms we dive deep into shifting you know your perspective and your trajectory in your career and chasing your dreams and all that kind of stuff so this is just an all-around just a great episode and uh, i just couldn't be more proud and thankful for gavin to come on the show and talk about his film archive and for us to kind of dive deep into these things so I'm going to go ahead and let the episode start off. I hope you're all doing well. Right now, we're in the middle of this pandemic, COVID-19, and it's a pretty awkward time. So I'm hoping that these episodes are giving you some solace, I guess, and some something special to uh, hopefully cheer you up or get you focused on what matters most in your life. So um, yeah, so let's begin, everybody. Episode 227 with my friend, director Gavin Rothery. Let's begin. Yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been quite some time. Both of us have grown and progressed and, uh, I know that you're on to some pretty cool things and some bigger accomplishments that I know that you've been after for a long time. So I definitely want to touch base and kind of talk about what's kind of progressed since the last time we've had you on the show. Yeah. Well, like we were just saying in the chat, just before we started talking, we've both been very busy over this. I think what's happened, what's happened with me is I've, <clears throat> I kind of reached a tipping point. I mean, it was an easy one to, to recognize because, you know, I've been trying to transition my career across to um, directing a feature film for like, you know, probably about eight years now. So actually getting to the point where we were shooting, you know, that's a very easy point to recognize as far as a tipping point in career goes. But um, yeah, that was all shot out in Hungary in 2018. So yeah, my um, feature film is a project called Archive, which I've been working on for the last kind of eight years. So yeah, to get that finished, um, it's quite an accomplishment, really. Yeah, dude, freaking good. Congratulations, first and foremost, Thank because you. these projects we all know are so much work, and they take take 
like you said, you've been, you had a trajectory for eight years. That's usually the, unless you are either wealthy or you know all the right people, that's usually the trajectory timeline is like eight to 10 years. I, I, I find. Um, yeah. I had um, seven just from a while back, like seven was the, the sort of standard thing. And that, that fit with uh, me and Duncan when we were trying to do Moon, that whole thing like overlapped. But I think one of the things that took me a long time with this was that I ended up becoming a writer. So I tried not to write this film, but I ended up having to write it. Yes. So now it's great because I've got like a superpower now because I can generate my own material. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, I had to basically learn how to write a film. And that was a massive, um, it was a strange thing to do. <laughs> I just felt like a really big deal because, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll completely get what I'm saying when I explain this, but I was quite nervous to, to jump into writing because I already do lots of different types of art. I work in lots of different disciplines. And when it comes to something like writing the film that I want to direct, um, I always knew the story I wanted to tell, but I felt like I needed somebody to actually make me a script. So the way I was going to approach it was I'll kind of like sit down and explain the story that I want, which I could do, you know, pretty thought out in all kinds of detail. And then, you know, I can basically get a script delivered back at me. But uh, it just wasn't working out. It was just taking far, 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 far too long uh, <laughs> to try and get anywhere. And, yeah, it was just getting you – know, I was just getting disappointed with the results of things. So I took matters into my own hands and decided that until I could find somebody better than me who was delivering stuff that I was into that was better than what I was able to do myself, I'd do it myself. And I still stand by that. Like, you know, if I can find the right partner to team up with on something, I will be quite happy to, you know, to, to take pages of um, scripts from them all day. But until that point, until I get to that point, I'm going to do it myself because, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I love that. I think that's absolutely great. And this is another thing that I, I, I witnessed. Um, it's cool to see that you did the same thing. I saw it with Anthony, um, Anthony Scott Burns. He had to do the same thing when, when he was first starting out. He was like, dude, do you know you have to write your own stories and all that stuff? And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause I always thought that, you know, I think a lot of this, this journey is so much in misinformation, probably like the pandemics going on. It's like a lot of like, he said, she said all this kind of weird facts that are all over the place. But one of the things that we realized quickly is if you really want to build your own world, you have to become first and foremost, a storyteller. And that's odd for visual guys like us who come from like, Oh, we'll tell a story through like visual metaphors and, and I could do vis effects and I could solve this scene with that. And, and you could see that kind of that thought process kind of going through the, the, the whole industry um, where you see a lot of directors who are more or less visual kind of art directors and not storytellers. And then you get these stories in these films that are kind of temporary. They're not long lasting because they were never really storytellers to begin with. So yeah. I think that going further down into it, when, Olaf and I wrote the Star Wars thing that we're building. It was so rewarding to kind of, well, it was very challenging. Like, I think we probably had the same paradigm, kind of like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. But then the moment you embrace that art form and really love it, it's like, wow, we're telling a story here. And it's like everything is based on the foundation of this. And it's really rewarding. Um, it's very, it's very challenging, though. Yeah. I think you're, you're right, though, like that feeling of having a script in your hand that you actually are into, like, you know, you you like it, like you've written something and you're like, because <laughs> yeah. the other stuff, I mean, you know, this it's all challenging stuff, but 
I think you're probably, um, you know, you, you're the same as me. I think I do think that we're very similar in a lot of ways. Yes, um, very the Visual online. stuff's like, it's fine, right? You'll do that. That'll get, it'll, you'll make sure that that looks great, right? Yeah. So whatever project you come on to, it's, it's, it's not like it's automatically taken care of, but you know that you will make sure that that's taken care of. And it's not an uncertainty where, you know, you, you, when you come onto a job, you're not kind of like freaking out going, oh, my God, how am I going to get this looking cool? You just plow into it, plow into the work, and you make it look cool, and you do that every time. So to have the material in your hand that you've written and then to know that moving beyond that, you can make sure that the visual stuff's covered, it's quite empowering. It's insanely empowering. It's It all comes down to something that I've been really trying to employ in myself, and I've been trying to share this with like kind of close friends and just people in general that I share my time with. But one of the key things that I've really learned to embrace over these couple of years is like extreme ownership. Um, anytime in my life that I've ever been frustrated with myself or the results that I get is usually when I don't take extreme ownership of this. And that doesn't mean that I just take and bogart everything. Sometimes I do because if I ask somebody to do something and continually they don't do what I'm asking or need, then I just go, okay, give it to me, you know? Um, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, just, it's, 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 um, this is something that I talk with Anthony to great length about as well Is like, we, we love to share the process of making these things, but at the same time it can be become very taxing when you, spend more time explaining it than you can just actually do it yourself. And so sometimes yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like, and I, and I really envy directors and I haven't spent time with them. So I don't know if this is a process, but like guys like JJ Abrams, who seem to be a really great collaborator who allows other people to kind of drive their own vessels inside of his ship, you know, which is really cool because as a director, I think you realize this just as much as I do outside of doing all these specialty things is as a director, all your real, your job is primarily just inspiring and motivating others to your vision and then getting them to see your vision and then giving them enough power to maintain that vision within their own vision, you know? So it's like, it's like ecosystems inside the main hub, you know? Um, but it's, it's a really fascinating art form. It's, 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 I used to think it was like, oh, like a director is like a dictator. They just tell you what to do and then you just kind of do it. <laughs> and I work for people like that. But you don't get the best thing. You actually get through collaboration. But it's a real thin line because collaboration is such a fine art. <clears throat> and but it depends where you people. are as well, though. It, you're right. It is a fine art. And sometimes, like, you know, when, you, when you're out in Budapest – and you've got two dates, a start date and a stop date, and you've got a certain amount of money and that's it, and a certain <laughs> amount of time and that's it. Yeah. And you're working with a crew and you don't get to pick everybody and English is their second language oh. and not everybody's necessarily on your train. I can't or wait to hear it. you got to tell some more stories, please. <laughs> I'm sure you got some stories. you'll get to a point where you might start throwing a few F-bombs around just because sure. you're just so pissed off. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, you'll get yeah. to that. I had, I mean, it was a hard, it was a hard shoot. Okay. I'll, when we were shooting, it was winter, right? It was um, November and December in 2018. And the temperature outside was minus 10, right? A centigrade. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, minus, sorry, Celsius. Celsius. Yeah, minus 10 yeah. Celsius. Yeah. So it was very, very cold outside. We had about a foot of sitting snow. Mm. And underneath that, it was just ice because it had been in a deep chill for ages. And I had... There was Production a couple of times I was, I was pulling my hair out 
because the crew we had a, we had a lovely crew all right i'm I, i'm going to sound like sure. i'm harshing up the crew now i have to just caveat that by just saying that you know what we were doing out there was super ambitious and we were like riding the line all the way through um so there was no of squeezing the dollar is what you mean like getting all as much of, as you can yeah, out and of the, t- day. the dollar and time and everything and mm-hmm. you know when you shoot in films like like archive and we had the same thing on moon you don't you're not going to get a special edition of that film because there isn't any extra footage because we only <laughs> shot what's in the script that's great now yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a benefit of that and it means that your story doesn't change too much which means you know there's a whole thing about how they say that there are you know there's that old saying about how any film is three films like the film that you write the film that you shoot and the film that you edit yeah yeah three stages yeah yeah and it can change you can become a different film at each stage it does um, it's heartbreaking <laughs> Yeah, well, Archive is one film, and it was always one film. Same with Moon. Mm. Um, you know, the film that we wrote was the film that we ended up with. Mm. So that was really gratifying. But I did have two points during the shoot where I just, I just basically, it was, it was when we were setting up for stuff. I basically just walked outside and just walked in a straight line away from the studio <laughs> until I got so fucking cold that it. I really, it basically, until it, what I was doing is I needed to, I needed to just distance myself from things mentally because I was just getting too, like, frustrated and angry at, at, the, at something going on in the moment. So instead of just exploding, I just went for a little walk. I just walked in a straight line away from the studio. Did you let your producers and, know you were going to take a minute? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you got to do it. You just step outside for a minute. I mean, yeah. everyone's got to do that when you're under pressure. It's a pressure cooker. Yeah. Um, and I was walking. I was walking for, it was. I think it was 11 minutes. I checked it on my phone. Hmm. I'd walked in a straight line for 11 minutes just in, you know, in my hoodie, in like a, a bloody like light blizzard. Um, and then I had to walk back. And the thing is, is by the time I'd got 11 minutes out, you know, it was, it, weather was pretty bad. You know, I was, I'd gone through that thing of, getting cold, um, everything feeling numb and sore, then the pain stopping, then it's starting to feel hot, and then that's stopping, and then it's starting to feel cold again. And mm-hmm. I always think that second cycle is the bad one because that's when you know that something bad's going to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the walk back was horrible. That, like, sort of 10, 11-minute walk back was just really bad because at that point I'd calmed down and I just wanted to get out of the weather. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, you know, there's challenges with this stuff. And you got to be careful because, you know, you've got to internalize a lot of it. I mean, I was dealing with things like, you know, purely through the um, aggressive schedule that we had and the ambition that we had with the project. But I'm turning up to shoot and sets aren't ready. And I'm losing the whole morning because, you know, they're finishing the set. And I'm not talking about waiting for paint to dry. I'm talking about building a set. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The paper's wet all over the place. But, um yeah, stuff like that when you're on such a tight schedule and you lose a morning. And that happened for the first three days of the shoot. I lost the morning three days in a row. Uh, bad and habits. It, it, yeah. That's, the, that's how you started off the production with a couple of mishits or what? Well, no, everything was going great. I was just having to shoot a day's worth of material in half a day. And I was doing it, mm. but I was conscious of the fact that we had more time that we were being that was taken away from us. We were we were making the making the call sheet pretty much. But it was because everybody else was being so awesome. You know, at that point, it's kind of over to everybody else. And we got a bit lucky with a couple of things, too. But, um, you know, it's just horrible, man. Turning up on a set to shoot and you've got the whole crew there 
and the set's not ready and you're just like what the fuck do you know what i mean <laughs> you're what you're really well versed and you you do a lot of time of studying and researching your heroes as i do to get yourself familiar with kind of the process of making things there was a moment when i was directing the, the solace short and there was a moment where i was like I've listened to so much Paul Thomas. I've listened to so many different commentaries of Fincher and all these people. And there was a moment, I'm curious, I'm pretty sure I know my answer to this or your answer to this, but there was a moment where I was like, well, that's great. And I love that I know what they do, but I'm trusting me now and I'm trusting (laughs) my instincts and I'm actually making my film. And not in a weird, selfish way, it was more or less like, you could study this stuff in the books and the pages and, and all these things and YouTube tutorials and all this stuff until you're re- red and blue in the face, but nothing will prepare you for actually doing it. And the moment you actually do it, there's an amazing, amazing moment where for me at least, and, and, and I will say that the, the shoot that we had was incredibly exceptional. We had just 10 people, but there was the right people at the right time, perfectly puzzle put together it was amazing so i'm very thankful for that so the process was very pain-free but what i got from that was when i was out there doing it i was like i am making my art now and it was so cool did you have that feeling when you were when you were out making your film yeah absolutely i mean the thing is with the um the crew that we had we brought some people over from the uk and we had um a lot of um hungarians with us too and generally everyone was a great bunch there was just a lot of pressure so i was doing that whole thing of basically being on set every morning because you know sometimes you you know it's sometimes it's your job to put your foot down a bit right it's okay thinking like oh well you know we can just go around smiling and, and making sure that everybody's still friends at the end of the day you know, that's it's like nice thinking like that. Yeah. But sometimes you've just got to be like, just get that fucking thing done. Like it needs doing now. Yeah. Just I don't I'm not gonna say it again. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go out there for an hour, do something else, I'm gonna come back, it's just gotta be done, and that's all there is to it. That's a director. I remember moments where it was a funny thing, I would do this thing <laughs> where they would something would happen and I'd go, uh something weird would happen, you know, because it does. And then I would go They'd go, what is this? And I go, well, I'm not happy with it. I'm not satisfied with you right now, but I'm going to deal with it. You know, (laughs) it was like these backhanded dad compliments. (laughs) And it was funny because I would just laugh and they would laugh too. They knew that I was fucking around and we would do a debriefing at the end of the day and I would, you know, thank and and talk about the high points and stuff. But it was a moment where I remember that so clearly like, hey, I'm going to be honest. I'm not happy about it, but let's figure out the solution, you know, it's like, cause it's constant problem solving. And I felt like, um, it's, it's almost demoralizing when you have the tone of get this fucking shit done, you know, at all times, because that pressure I've worked under people like that, that's kind of crippling, you know, did you have moments that were like, I got to cripple these people or did you feel there was a, there was a couple, I did have a couple of moments where it got to that Hmm. after multiple, multiple things just still weren't done. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just gonna have to kick it out of them now. Yeah. And just, I just have to, (laughs) I have no choice. Yeah. Uh, A couple of times I had to do that. It wasn't fun, but, um, I got it done. So I can't apologize for that. Um, And they, they'll, they'll, if, if, if it's done and if it's done right and, and they'll, they'll thank you. They'll, they'll, they'll recall that like, ah, shit, that sucked. But, that's my director, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, for done. You know, just gotta go and have a drink afterwards, and uh, you know, <laughs> get all good if you can. 
who was your closest adversary or your closest ally in the production of this film? Oh, well, I had, I had some fantastic allies. Um, probably the closest ally would have been uh, my producer, Phil Hurd, because mm. the How whole do you thing. Know Phil? Uh, I've known Phil. Phil works for a company called Independent, who are a production company based here in London. Um, they're a dual-sided company. They do sales and distribution and production. Mm. So some of the films they've actually made are, they did We Need to Talk About Kevin with Lynn Ramsey. Uh, I still uh, need to watch that. I hear it's really good. Yeah, it's good. Um, Phil, let's see, I'm, um, I've known Phil for quite a long time now. There's a the story behind how I met Phil originally also involves that editor. So I'll just explain the way the whole story works. Mm-hmm. Originally, when we did Moon, we um, when we were putting it together, um, we took Moon to Independent to see if they wanted to actually produce it, and they passed on it. And then we went away, got the money, made the film, and then they came in afterwards and and distributed the film in a bunch of territories and made a lot of money off it. So um, those guys like Moon, and it performed well for them. And Phil, who was like, um, you know, ambitious um, producer there, he was basically what happened. He had an internal conversation in the company about trying to do another film like Moon because they were a bit annoyed at themselves that they passed on it originally because, you know, they could add the whole thing. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, oh, Corona. No, it's not Corona. I'm, <laughs> okay. um, I've been out for like three weeks. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Thanks for looking out for me, man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, does it does it come through Skype? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got you now through the USB. Um, the uh, so they were wanting to do a film like Moon. So what they were doing was they were basically getting a bunch of people together that they um, they were doing like a big think tank thing, and they were going to like have a um, invite everybody out for a meal and just have a big conversation over a meal about how they could do another project like Moon. And my good chum, Adam Biskupski, editor, Adam Biskupski, who was the assistant editor on uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, Mm. um, he'd become friends with Phil over the course of working on the project. And Phil um, respects Adam's opinion, and he asked him if he would come along to this meal so that they could have a big chat and with all these other people and a bunch of, like, random random people that they trusted their opinions of. And um, Adam said, uh, you don't need to do any of this stuff. You just need to talk to my mate Gav. Um, I'll get you together. So yeah, we ended up having a chat, and um, yeah, archive archive was born hmm. from that conversation. So and, and that was like the melding of those two. So it was an idea, an impetus that you had talked to your your producer about, and then well, he I'd liked had it. The, I had the idea uh, myself, and then brought the whole thing to them. Um, I had the you idea like do a whole pitch thing because like the Hollywood thing, yeah. you know, is to to put a, to a presentation thing together, and is that yeah. how it worked? Okay. Yeah, treatment. Um, yeah, the um, Adam came in at the end as the editor too and did a fantastic job cutting the film. So Adam actually ended up becoming the editor on the film, which was awesome because it's cool when you're working with your mates and stuff. That you know, when you when you've got mates that are like really good at what they do, and then you get to work with them on something that you're really it's into, best. and they get really into it. It's awesome. It's, a, it's the absolute best. My whole yeah. goal with making films is to just hang, have more time with my friends. <laughs> That's really it. Is. Yeah, it all comes down to, get that. to hang out the most, right? No, <laughs> totally. Because something that's like having adventures with your friends. Yes. Because we're yeah. oftentimes, this is such an insular, selfish kind of art form that oftentimes we're just like, look at you and I. We've met in person. We have a lot of similarities. We're, we should, on paper, we should be like perfectly aligned buds forever and talk every day. 
but we don't. It's because we're both super busy focused on <laughs> We're just thing. working all the time. Pretty yeah. much, you know, and we have busy lives. We also do live on the other part of the earth from one another. I think if we were neighbors, we'd probably hang out quite a bit more. But it's it's just kind of how the nature of this process goes. It's so selfish and insular in the best of ways. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's just it's legitimately how this kind of works. But um, it is a beautiful art form and it is cool. That's cool to hear that that kind of aligned and that's cool to hear that these things because that that really is, I think, at the end of the day and something that you probably will acknowledge and under, agree with is that these projects only get made with the alignment of the right people at the right time. That's simply how they get Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Yeah, well, on the, in the spirit of collaborators too, I've got to say Theo, uh, Theo James, our um, leading man, he was just absolutely brilliant. Like he, he came onto the project and he, he, I mean, we wouldn't have got the film financed if it hadn't been for Theo's attachment. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he, he stuck around and waited for like two years until we managed to get it together. That's awesome. It was absolutely brilliant. It was a complete diamond. Um, tons so of fun to work. important to have that awesome bloke. Um, absolutely smashed it in the film. I can't wait for people to see to see him in this film because he's not the Theo James in this film. I don't think anyone's seen him like he is in this film. Good. Um, it's probably why he stayed around for it because he knew that you would show a different side that he wanted to show of himself to his audience. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize at the time, but after you know getting to know each other and hanging out and becoming friends and stuff. Um, yeah, Theo explained to me that he was he well actually it wasn't him that explained it to me. It was when we were shooting it, we had that you know that nice thing where when you're shooting people have um their friends come along and visit your set and stuff. Yeah. So cool. Theo had uh, a couple of his best mates came along for a couple of days and we were all just hanging out and going drinking and stuff. And What you one, guys are drinking? No way. What <laughs> I'm just messing. No, I know. It was fantastic <laughs> hanging out with the best. They have, they have good book. pilsners out there, huh? They're like a pilsner. Um I, I don't know what I was drinking. I was yeah. just being, um, we were just going everywhere. It was fantastic. It's <laughs> such a lot. It was like, you know, when you go, um, when you go skiing, there's a weird like thing that happens where when you go on skiing holidays, you can go out and you can get absolutely smashed till about four in the morning, go home, you have like three hours sleep and then you're up and you're on the slopes and you feel fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a nice high to have. Last for a couple like of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Theo was a, a absolutely brilliant collaborator. Um, Stacy Martin too, our leading lady. She was just she's wonderful. That's so commit. I mean, the actors were so. Um, you know what these things are like when you when you start working as a director. The whole thing about working with actors it's a kind of a for me it was always a little bit of a thing yes. because everybody wants to know whether you can work with actors. <laughs> and, you know, you, you need tricky. to get. You need to kind of get yourself in a position where you're working with some some people that are like known names, and then have the job work out okay before you can say that you can actually do it. Yes. And really, it's just you know they generally with actors like a lot of the time it's they bring it themselves, right? So they always so, do. So, the good ones so do. You get, you get a lot of the credit for the performance, and I mean you know there's all kinds of conversations and stuff going on. And ultimately, they are playing characters that I created and wrote, but they've brought their own level on it and yeah. made it into their own thing. And it's, it's them. The way I see it, it's them really. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You well, you, the Just thing is, you have the idea, you write it on paper, and you give it to them, and then they show you who the character is. You know, and, exactly. and you have to be trusting in the process of going. Hey, I'm okay with this. I remember sitting down with Leanne and Tyler, the two actors, uh, two basic leads in the, in the short. And I remember sitting there and saying, "Like, look, guys, I'm completely green 
when it comes to working with actors. So I need you to just tell me what works best for you and we will find a synergy through that. Exactly, and, right? Just and talking. we just had this, tra- it's all just it is talking. is talking. And I was like, feel free and comfortable to give me any feedback at all if ever you need it and I'll do the same. And and there was times where they would do a take and, they would, and I would go, let's get it again. And like, well, what do you need out of it? I'm like, what I what it came down to is they didn't want specifics. They definitely didn't want me to placate to them and go and act like I knew what their job was. And I, and I did that once, where I was like, "Oh, try like this." And then I st- I stopped myself and I said, "Oh shit, you are the actor. I am the director." And <laughs> and I realized how rude that is. And I and I stepped back and I said, "You know." And I I left. There's this there's this really beautiful room where we the three of us kind of had this really beautiful synergy where there was a lot of trust. And so when we would do a new, uh, we would, I'd say, let's try that again. And then if I, if I wasn't really clear on it, I would say, I just want you to tr- try this tone. And I would just give them like a word. I'd say, feel this. Hey, give me some of that. And then they were so fucking good that they would go into themselves, manifest this thing, and then convey that through the glass. And I'm like, ah, fuck, this is so cool. Like, Yeah, how cool is that watching yeah. that on a monitor when it's happening? Oh, it's, it's, it's legit. So it's legit. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a drug that is unobtainable unless you're doing it. The art of making films is very addicting and very fulfilling when it, when it works. It's, it's, there's nothing like it. I know you know this, you know, so... Well, imagine being stuck on a nightmare production that's going really bad, though. It must I, be awful. Oh, yeah. You know, I think when I was going through this process, because I'm I'm homegrown just like you, and so I think with going through this process, like, so this last um, project, Anthony Scott Burns came down. He was fucking so amazing to have on set because he has a breath of knowledge because he's been doing this for a long time. So I've he got was, to just mention Anthony quick. Sorry, just because you mentioned him a few times. I just sure. got to mention him quick. And just say that I'm just a huge fan of his work, and I love it. And when you guys collaborate, it's just I just love watching everything, honestly. Well, we appreciate that. He's a big fan of your work too, so we'll definitely. I don't know if Is you he? guys have talked before. Yes, absolutely. So we should definitely get the three of us on a talking terms at some at some point because I think it'd be really great. It. Yeah, I think um, he did a short film called Manifold. Yes, I just it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Ah, uh, short that's awesome. Ever. Absolutely. Wait till you see his feature film come true. It's it's a very special film, and I'm so words don't express how proud I am of him. And I was thankful enough to be a part of that a little bit, which is awesome. It's it's a special moment outside of designing the Batmobile. Like that's probably one of my most favorite. Yeah, I got to try and give you a high five through the uh, (laughs) internet for for that. Honestly, yeah, good job. Honestly, you designed the Batmobile. That is just fucking flat out cool. (laughs) It's a special moment. I very. It's 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 like. you know, when these things happen in your life and it's almost like when you have a kid or you get married or you have these, it's (laughs) it's one of those things that it hits you at the core of your essence and it's like shakes you and you go like, whoa, yeah, it doesn't even uh, register. I saw that actually on Twitter. I got to say, I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, 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 thank you so much. And it's, 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 it's not my Batmobile, it's Matt's and James. James is the production designer. So it's through them that I was able to fulfill designs. And it was, um, it's a very proud moment. I'm very, very proud of it. So, but um, we had Anthony come down. Thankfully, so amazing. I really needed his veteran ability. And I'm curious to see if you had somebody with you on your projects, because I felt like he was such a 
breath of of he 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 came off of the production of of his film and he was burnt out and coming on to this project it was so special for him because he quickly realized that like oh like it's all about the synergy of working with friends and so it went to back to what we were saying is I don't think I would allow ever again to be on a production that doesn't feel like it's swimming properly. I know that films are really difficult to make, but I will simply not allow myself to be on a thing that's just like miserable because I've spent so much of my life dealing with that. So like when it comes down to it, I'm just going to be like, oh, like you're a really weird person and you make me uncomfortable. You need to leave. You know, like I'm going to say. It's tricky though, I've got to say, because I totally get where you're coming But one of the things that I was really conscious of was that um, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could fire anybody because we had um, the bond around, you know, the insurance um, represented by a lovely chap who was um, around a lot of the time who was, you know, we'd been, we'd chatted all the time and hung out and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, he's an insurance guy and he's making, watching, this guy can't ever get nervous about anything. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It's one of my big jobs to make sure that the production and the, um, you know, make sure that like no one's getting nervous. And, you know, if I go around and start firing people, <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> of people, that, there's a couple of moments and, you know, I could have done that. That's true. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to be really careful with this stuff. So, you know, I just suck it up a little bit and, I mean, you know, this is when you go for a 10-minute walk outside in there. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, you there's know, like, it's funny because Anthony said he, he looked at me and he was like, I wonder who's going to be the first to crack when we first started, you know? And I was like, oh, thanks. But there's always somebody that's going to be like really weird or be like just odd and and, and throws the feeling off. And thankfully, nobody yeah, was. Yeah, just the energy out. Yes. And I mean, yeah. you know, it's... it's um, Energy vultures or energy vampires. It's part of your job to, to keep the puzzle together, right? To keep the shape of the puzzle. Yeah, um, that's true. So nothing to shy away from. But, you know, I was just really careful with that. I mean, it would be good. nice to get... If I get to do a second one, it would be nice to be able to make those little course corrections, like, right away. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And it's really difficult, like you said, and it's hard because especially with the bigger the production, I think what I was saying is that I'm trying for me, I'm, I mean, I could be completely not not aware of what's going to happen, but I try, I try to keep the things very small. The smaller I can keep it, the more control I have, the happier I seem to be. Like I know that Stanley Kubrick would basically shoot most of his films and he just liked to have a very small crew and and just as actors and be intimate in those moments so that you had more time to work through scenes. The bigger yeah. the production gets, the more wild it gets a little bit more out of hand. I feel like it could become because it's such, it's almost like this unwielding sword that you just really have no control over. You know, I, well, um, yeah, but I maybe you do. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know that that feels like, you know, I think they're all different. I mean, what, what I've come to understand about this is that whenever you're trying to do anything, on, in the broader sense, as far as putting a film together and scheduling your film and financing your film and shooting your film and all of it, including post and all of it, there's always multiple things that need to come together. And what you've, what I do nowadays is basically just try and get any one of them anchored as soon as possible. 
And then the other thing, because they're all super important. What I mean by this, by example, uh, as an example, right, you've got when you're on the run into production, <clears throat> you've got an ideal date when you want to start photography, which will be driven by um, actor availability, probably first and foremost, yeah. uh, studio availability or whatever kind of shooting space you're in. We were shooting in a warehouse in Budapest. Um, maybe locations might be thrown into that too. Um, there might be cr key crew availability, like you might have like a really awesome DOP and you've only got them for access to them for a certain window. Um, and then, of course, there's like getting the money. So none of, you know, any one of those things can push the other things to happen under the right circumstances. And so you just got to make any one of them real as quickly as you can. And then, and then anchor the other ones around it. So originally, I was, I would like agonize over it all and be like, oh my god, all these things have to happen together. And like, they don't. Got to get one of them. It's almost like climbing a rock face. Like when you like hammering, hammering pins into a rock face. You've got to like hammer any one of them in, and the other ones will start to anchor around it at that point because you've got one in the rock face. Beautiful. Um, we have to start sometime, yeah. right? Yeah. You got. It's got to start. It's got to lead with something. And yeah, like, you know, you've got your projected start dates and, you know, you can't start without the money. So usually you're sort of penciling um, a couple of months, putting a circle around a couple of months in a calendar for shooting time and prep uh, before you've got your finance closed. And then you talk to your actors and you say, can we have this spot if we can get the money? And your actors say, yeah, OK. So then you go to the money and say, look, we're all set. We've got the studio. We've got the actors. Just give us the money and we're shooting here and now. You know what I mean? So yeah. you use you, when you start anchoring anchoring things, whatever you can use as a positive bit of information, you can use that to make the other conversations happen because you can go into those conversations saying, "Look, we have these dates. Sure. You win or out," and it simplifies all the conversations. That's very true, and I couldn't agree more. And there was moments on production too for us. It was like, "Ah, oh shit! Everything was gonna have to shift and move," mainly because our, our actors were are actively working and we're like we all agreed and they were fine with it because this is a passion project and we asked them if they wanted to get paid we just have to figure out okay well if you want to get paid we would have to know how much and then we would have to figure out how long it would take us to achieve that budget so we could afford them but both our actors were like no we just believe in you guys we believe in the story we believe that it's important for us to make this and so they were like we're going to make it happen but it was all contingent based on like well if we have a working job it could shift and move the schedule and it was like yeah uh, it was it was a legit uh, logistics nightmare for me personally. It was like moving ten people from around the world all to one place at one time, housing them, feeding them, keeping the production happy, and also getting the things that we needed. Um, it's a I, I, my hat is so far off to the people that run these logistics and productions because it's a legit like it'll age you quickly because it's there's yeah. so many things that can go wrong. Um, everything can go wrong. Only a couple of things can go right. And you have to be ready for those things. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> pretty crazy though. Uh, yeah, I was very blessed and thankful that I had my partner and uh, teammate, basically Olaf, who's basically helping produce this thing with me too. So it's cool. And I'm sure you have, so you had your, you had your main producer. Does he have help as well? Or do you kind of, was it yeah. between the two of you guys? Well, the thing is, the whole core of the project is always me and Phil. And one of the things that I always, I, I'm always going to love this about Phil. We've known each other for years and years now, and we've always made a point of trying to be social, whatever we're doing. So 
like as an example, when we were first discussing the project and having production meetings, we would take the opportunity of having those meetings to combine that with a quest to try and find the best burger in London. And so <laughs> over the course of making Archive, we've basically been all of London um, trying to trying to find the best burger. I love that. That's so cool. It's so, smart. Yeah. You, do, you, do, <laughs> you, just, you devise it into something that's like, uh, you know, like a, uh, it's, it's a reward system. It's smart. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun as well. Cause like, it's also get, fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the thing about Phil that I always really respected is that he would always support me in my endeavors to make the film better. Mm. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about like full spectrum support to the point where even when we were grading the film, like in January, we're doing the final, you know, we're just basically getting it ready to, to literally go out the door. You know, there was, I'm watching it. I'm just like, it would be better if those two shots were in, in the other order. And so we swap them in the grade and it, the sequence just works better. Mm. And he's just like looking at me and like grinning because it, it actually made quite a difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was, you know, having somebody like that that supports you to that level was just brilliant. It's like right to the last minute of this thing going out the door. It wasn't – the thing is about this, I always think whenever I explain stuff like this, it sounds like I was endlessly just faffing about with things. That wasn't what we were doing. Sometimes when you watch things a bunch of times, right, it just something just occurs to you. And that was an ongoing process. You just have these moments and you'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. And I'm one of these people who, you know, I have to be able to – voice that if that occurs to me it's all of a sudden it's burningly important that that thing gets done yeah do you know what i mean of course um, yeah that's your great. job yeah you're visionary yeah well the thing is about this stuff is a lot of people um like what i found is that some people are happy about that at certain points and not happy about it at other points mm. so you can you know you can you can be in there and you can be like, yeah, okay, look, I got this idea for this project. I'm writing it. And they can be like, you know, they can swing. You can have somebody who's sat there behind a desk and they, you know, they look at a, a treatment and they go, yeah, not into that. And then you write the script and they go, oh my God, it's wonderful. And then, you know, you do a rough cut and they go, yeah, it's not working. And and you're like, what? And then you, you finish the edit and they go, oh my God, it's wonderful. And you're like, <laughs> what are you? Do you know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, fortunately, I'm talking about fringe stuff now. I'm not talking about people in the, in the core of things. But I just saw people like being like this. And it yeah. made me think like, if I was looking at, at this person, even though they were like on the fringes, like there was a couple of people that were like that. And I thought, because one of the things about doing what we're doing, right, is we know what we want. And that's why we're going for it, because there's something that we want and we're, we're going for that. I, oh, excuse me. And I was thinking, like, maybe these people just don't know what they want. And there's those kind of people that when things are presented to them, they just make a judgment call on it in the moment for whatever reason. And that's all you get from them. And so it changes at different points. Like maybe they can't see past temporary visual effects or rough edits. You know, maybe, you know what I mean? Like maybe they oh, can't yes. get into temp score or, you know, temp sound design or whatever it is. Um but I remember like thinking really clearly, like if I was looking at these people for approval or, uh, you know, be ruined. I'd be screwed. Be legitimately ruined. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't yeah. know what the hell was going on. And I no, wouldn't you'd know be super confused. Yeah. It would, yeah. It'd be confusing. It would be awful. <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, just really, really clearly solidifying inside my own head, 
that not everybody's opinion matters. Nope. It's quite liberating. Some people That's do. Something. Some people do. And those people well, are really important do. to keep close. It's about, it's about knowing. It's about being able to realize which the, which people they are, though, right? That's a real trick, and we should actually dive into that because that's a great topic. Is this something that comes up a lot from questions and just people in general? They're like, how to trust who to trust, you know? Like, uh, And I have my own ways uh, of how I address these things, and, and one of them actually is from what you just said, which is like if somebody jumps and leapfrogs a lot, I go, oh, shit, like why am I asking you? You don't even know what you like, you know? Yeah. But if somebody's staunch too staunch i go well you have your own really hard view on something and you're not willing to meld a little bit so i usually find it i find the advice the best advice i get is comes from people that are able to thread that line between the two you know but that's so tricky how about you how how do you who do you know to come to for the right advice well generally um i only seek advice at certain times because a lot of the times I don't feel like I need advice. If someone's got something to say, I'll have a listen. But my time for advice, pretty much at any point, but generally either at the beginning of a day or the end of a day, when I say the beginning, I mean the very beginning, would be a director of photography. Hmm. And that's somebody that I will talk to constantly. Um Sometimes in the moment, but generally what I'm talking about at the very start of the day or the end of the day, that's the planning stuff where whatever it is I'm thinking about doing, I'll make sure that I've talked to them at least a day before we do it. So they've had some time to move over, if not basically as much time as possible. And so I'll take the opportunity over lunch or whatever to sit down and do a bunch of doodles, um, <clears throat> you know, um, talk through boards I've done at the, in the hotel or whatever, or do you know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. talk specific stuff I've got. Anything anything that I can be specific about that I'm thinking as far as cameras and, and you know, the photography goes, I'll just like sort of dump it all at them, partly so that they can see what my intended plan or route through it would be. And secondly, so that they could challenge it or add to it or modify it or do what, you know, just to, to bring it up. Um, if there's anything, anything that can improve things or any problems that they can see that I might not know about or understand. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely DOP. Um, everything else usually by the time you're shooting, everything else is usually in place. Um, on the way in, I had a real trick, again, because the budget was super tight. I had a couple of requirements that I really wanted on the set. And, I, you know, I was designing the set in uh, in CG. And I really wanted big sliding doors. And inevitably, when you're moving towards the actual set build and the, when the gears lock in and you've got your start date in the calendar and you start to have real production meetings and they're about the real money and the money starts burning really quickly and your set's still being built and people are looking for things they can cut straight away. And we're having conversations like, can we not put a roof on this part of the set? Can we have these doors not open and close? Can we lose the doors and all this kind of stuff? And you start <laughs> falling back. <laughs> I always kind of try and design so that um, I've got this like sort of 50% rule. It's probably a bit more than that. It's probably about 60% where I feel like that's my absolute minimum and we just can't go beyond that. Sure. But up until that point, there are some, there is some ground that could be, you know, we could fall back on in a few places if we need to, and it will affect the ultimate result in any way that anybody's going to be able to, you know, clock. Mm, smart. So, so we you get, safe. 
Yeah, well, the trick is about that. You go into it thinking you're being really smart, and then almost immediately the 60% is gone because when you're having these hard budget chats and it's like, look, we've got to lose everything we can. So you just go ding, 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 and you, you, you're like 40% that you were going to like hold in reserve to gradually be battled <laughs> down. That's all gone because you're having no shit chats with your producer who's also like a really good friend and isn't going to bullshit you ever. And you just have to get those numbers down. So that's not somebody that you're playing games with. You know, you're somebody that you're trying to just agree with and get things done. Yeah. So I'm like sort of slashed all that stuff in one go pretty much. Hmm. And then you've still got to get it down even more. And you're like, well, shit, I had this whole strategy for being really smart and, you know, thought I was being really cool. And, you know, that's all just gone. There's no there's no cards to be played here. Well, it's just about trying to figure it out. It's a great check. Yeah. So sometimes you go into these things thinking you've got some like cool strategy to to work with and you know the reality of making the film is like if it's you know you want to get this film made and if you trust the people you're working with those aren't the people to have those kind of conversations with. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean it's 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 um I guess it's also interesting too because we both have totally different experiences too and it's kind of hard to give advice on general things because all the advice is so dependent on the experience and the people and all these like very unique things. Cause that was what I was saying when I was on set dealing with my own stuff, I was like, Oh shit. Like I've read and done so much research for years getting myself here. And then I realized that like those, that's like, you know, those are my, my moms and dads, I got to say goodbye to them. I'm off to college, you know, I got to make my own decisions here. And <laughs> it all came down to just being like, um, trusting instinct, intuition, and then dealing yeah. with the results and going like, well, like, um, I didn't get that there. But at the same time, like, I think having certain key people there to give me the straight and narrow, like guys run out, like get this going now. And while I'm kind of fucking with something else, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, we had to go this in and thank, thank you for aligning. It's like uh, every once in a while I'd let somebody else grab the steering wheel because I was like, are we going the right, is I supposed to go left here? Are we supposed to go right? And and being okay and trusting that um, is obviously super clutch and super key and it leads to some really interesting things. But at the end of the day, I think you're right and that's the same way I feel too is when you know it, you just know it and there's no there's nobody that can ever give you a note if you really know it. You know what I mean? It's like, you already know it. So why would you tell me? How, like, you know what I mean? Like this guy is blue. I know it's blue. You know, I don't need you to tell me that it's a shade of blue. I know what color it is, you know? So, and that could be really tricky because it's, there's another side of that too, though. There's, there's something that, um, me and, uh, Laurie, the Laurie, the DOP, uh, Laurie Rose, absolutely awesome dude. he, he ex- well, he explained it to me. He was telling me about some stuff that he'd seen on previous sets, and it really stuck with me. And it was about coverage, and it was about you know when you when you're shooting, you're you've got you go into each day with a plan, and that plan is all centered around a clock. And you know the clock tells you how long you've got here, how long you've got there. And then when you get started, it's you sometimes you got to make a call as a director whether you break what the clock is telling you you should be doing and start going off piece a little bit and deploying your time resource differently mm. um, in the moment and then dealing with the possible repercussions of that repercussions of that afterwards. And it was all about coverage and, you know, just that feeling of working as a director 
um, on set in the moment, you've got a setup going on. So, you know, you're in a, you're in your, you're part of your set, you're all lit, your actors are there. You've, you've got your, um, you, you, you know, you've got your wide, you've got wides, mids and close-ups pretty much covered. There's a couple of special things you wanted to do. You've got those. And it's like, is that enough? Like you're looking at you, at your watch and it's like, shit, we're half an hour over, but that's okay. You know, we can, <laughs> that's not, that's not the worst thing in the world, <laughs> but you're like, when we leave here, we're not coming back. Yep. So Something. when we, you know, and you know, you've got to call it, you're like, right, we're done. Let's move on. And the first couple of days doing that, I had this whole thing where I was like, you know, I'd, I'd have to, and I'll tell you one thing I got, I got really good at as well is just, um, it's something that in the real world, it could maybe be seen as being a little bit rude, but basically if somebody asks me something and I need a moment to think, I'd just say like, could you just give me a moment? And I'd just stand there and think, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just literally go quiet just literally like sort of focus yeah just just have a thing just kind of stare off into the distance think and actually give them a proper answer that mattered yeah um but it's basically like someone coming up to you and asking you something and you say okay can you just stand there for maybe 30 seconds whilst i just stare into the distance and figure that out please <laughs> as and long just, as you explain it i think it's fine people go okay shit this is your process you know not trying to be rude <laughs> you know but at so. first i was a bit shy about doing that and by about day three i was just doing it automatically yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like okay hold on just one second just give me give me a minute i need a minute to stare off into the distance yeah process yeah. Well, the thing is, it's about um, the thing about Laurie that, that Laurie mentioned was he was saying, like, you've got to be really careful second guessing yourself with coverage because you go into it with a plan and you shoot out the plan. You get the coverage that you talked about before. And the trick of it is you as far as moving on goes and being comfortable goes, firstly, you've got to trust your original plan or you're never going to make the clock. And the trick of it is you can never you can never frame the possibility of adding more coverage on in the moment as a question, mm. because the answer is is like, for example, you shoot everything, and then it'd be like, hmm, do we need a close up right on the right on her eyes, right in, right on her eyes over this for that moment? And as soon as you say that, the answer is yes, you do need it because you thought of it. Yeah. You're never going to be able to let it go. And good point. if you ask anybody else if they need it, they should say yes because you're the director. Yeah. They've not really got any business saying no. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, I absolutely do. Yeah. <laughs> I was so interesting that you say that because sometimes I would ask for it and I go, why am I asking? I already know what I need. It's like, yeah, uh, but that's, that's, that's my, that's my greenness, you know, like being, and I love the process of being new to things. It's, it's painful and, and also enjoyable because it's new. It's quite thrilling. It's incredibly thrilling. When you're like you, when yeah, I got kind of goosebumps when you're saying like you get into set and your actors are ready and the lights are ready and your camera person's there and everything and everybody's <laughs> like it's it's like a race and you have this fucking big machine and this huge fast car basically on this the the, the, the uh, start line and it's revving hard and you're just like action it's the green light and then psh, you know and and all the things start to play and the car starts moving and sometimes the car stalls. <laughs> and sometimes the yeah. car digs in and rips and gives it hell and it just and you're just like holy shit that's i give a car analogy because i'm a huge car person that kind of relates to the feeling of a drag race i guess or a racing a car but 
that's kind of how it feels. And, and I think knowing that feeling and feeling that I got goosebumps because when you said it, I was like, Oh God, that's such a, a brilliant, <laughs> it's, it's a legitimate, brilliant feeling. We are at the, your, your engine's going and the machine is moving and, and everybody's vibing that energy there. Whew. It's powerful, I think, man. Yeah, the energy is the energy is a real thing. I think one of the things as well is when you're working as a director, people look at you to like set the tone of the energy. Mm, and yeah, I think that's, that's another reason why it's good to not be effing and jeffing too much because you know nobody nobody likes it when the director's like you know got a got a bit of a bit of a mood going on. It's just not a good look, right? It's almost like. Um, you know, when you're at home with your family and your wife and your kids, it's like it's not good to be grumpy at home, right? Yes. You know, you don't want your kids thinking daddy's like a grumpy arsehole. Well, I remember you know? hearing um, John Blink on his name. He's an amazing actor. He was um, in The Place Beyond the Pines. He was Ryan Gosling's partner in the, the bank robberies and stuff. Uh, Mendelssohn. He was in Star Wars, too. He's in Rogue One. Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. Yeah, he, he, I, I absolutely adore his um, acting skills. And I, I read up on him. He's he's fucking bonkers. He's amazing. But it was, he, he was one of my early choices. for. He, he didn't get back to us because he was he, – well, he, he went off to do Rogue One, but he was one of my early choices to, for Archive. Oh, man, he like, is incredible. Four years, five years. He's amazing. I wish that you guys would have got a chance to work together because it sounds like he's amazing to work with. And he calls the director, he calls him dad. <laughs> he, calls <all> the, <laughs> he calls him all dad. And it makes sense because I know it's, it's, it's probably a woke, it's woke people will get mad. Ooh, man, our masculinity flying everywhere. It's, it's not that it's, it's the, the concept that you're the dad or you're the, you're the parent or the, you're the mom or whatever. You're the one leading the way of the pace and the feeling, the tone. And you're absolutely right. I, and, and, I tried my best in moments that were like, ah, shit, to not lose my shit. I, and, and, and to be like, I was, I, I think the one thing I learned from just watching others lead is, well, good ones lead. And also like studying even guys like Churchill and, and these amazing, gnarly, crazy leaders of different parts of history, seeing how they did it, it was they, um, well, for me, I was like, I want to be seen as the one that's working the hardest. And, and, and not so that people that they don't go like, oh, well, he's just sitting there. I was never once sitting. I was well, always You got to be careful with that though. Like the whole working hard thing. Yeah. You got to be careful with that because that can, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you a little story about for long shoots. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> not well, for 10 days shoots. About a thing that happened to me and it's probably not good. It's probably going to make me sound pretty crazy, but that was what the whole thing was about. Um, you know, I come from an art background and, you know, both on Archive on a Moon, I was designed to sets and uh, also all the graphics on. There's a lot of, it's a very graphics heavy set is Archive. <clears throat> and one of the things I always love doing is putting together a, a semiotic standard and having a bunch of decals printed and then being able to like vinyl them up all over the place just to give it that kind of nice kind of vintage kind of sci-fi chic vibe. Yeah. So I did the same thing I did on Moon with archive and i did a i mean with moon i probably did about i think about 14 or 15 or 16 different semiotic graphics with archive i did like over 200 i really got into it did loads of them. <laughs> and because i knew i wasn't going to have much to do i wasn't going to have much in the way of resources for the set so there's always going to be a lot of graphics on the walls and so instead of having just plain surfaces i thought if i can just put graphics on there it'll it'll make it look cool so i made like tons and tons of these little spot graphics and I got I got thousands of them printed, and this kind of loops back into what I was saying before about sets not being ready in the morning. Um, the the set build was crazy, like running up to uh, the shoot. You know, the set was being built for about three weeks, 
but it took two weeks to get it standing and then it took about a week to actually get it get all the set deck in there and get it done so i had a um a really lovely um girl called yutsi who was the uh, hungarian art director and she was she was awesome but she got really worried about me because i was looking at the the centerpiece of the set is a big corridor and I wanted this corridor to just look awesome, and I knew what I wanted it to look like. I designed it all in in um, CG. And when we were finishing the set, I basically had a folder with a couple of thousand of these um, semiotic standard stickers in there and all kinds of things like registration marks and stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And basically what I was doing was standing at the end of the corridor looking down it, and anything that needed a bit of detail in there, I'd run down the other end of the corridor put a bunch of vinyl on there, a bunch of stickers, same on the other side, run back down the other end of the corridor, have another look at it for 30 seconds, go back down, put some more on, go back down. Mm-hmm. And this corridor was like, how long was it? I don't know, maybe like 30 metres long. So I was like running up and down this corridor because we didn't have much time. And everybody else was finishing their jobs. So there was people all over the place working. And um, Yutsi saw me doing this, and she got really worried about me, and she went and saw my producer, Phil, without saying anything to me. And she actually said to him, I think Gav's having a nervous breakdown. He's being really weird on set and running up and down the corridor and putting stickers everywhere. (laughs) Phil, because, I mean, Phil knows, like, you know, he knows me like a brother. And Phil, like, laughed at her. And he goes, I don't know what you're worried about. He's just doing his work. He's not breakdown he's just working and she's like you sure i think we might need to get him to see a doctor and she was like really worried about me and i was like bloody hell i'm just i don't have a lot of time and i've got a lot to do and i'm just jumping in and getting stuff done because you know it's easy to tell somebody else but i was working at such a pace that my own art director thought i was having a nervous breakdown and all i was doing was putting vinyl on walls (laughs) this is a thing that i found really interesting was that even as as the art director and somebody I talked to every day and was bringing into what we were doing, she still couldn't properly get on board me, what I was doing and how I worked. Mm. She still didn't get it. Cause I was like, just, I was just me doing my own thing. Phil got it, yeah. but she didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just really interesting. Like afterwards, well, I guess you I could just do afterwards. your own thing. And I just felt like with me, it was like to lead is like, I feel like proper true leadership is being willing and able to work just as hard and be as, as willing to go as far and deep as, as you're asking of everybody else. You know, that's how I kind of, what I meant by that. And that's, but I, that's kind of ironic and funny that that kind of, <laughs> yeah, she that, thought I was having a nervous breakdown though. I mean, just, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I could see, I could see how that could work. I could see how that could translate to to that, though, for sure. Like when you explain your 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 actions, I could go like, yeah, I think somebody that's not necessarily uh, aware of that, but at the same time, it, it could also be um, sorted by like, oh no, this is like, check this out. I'm doing right now. I'm doing this because like this needs to look like this, and and only I can really feel like I can attach this detail to it. So I'm just legitimately trying to get this done you know so but yeah <laughs> yeah and, and also i think it's it's easy for me to say that well after doing like a five-day shoot um going full bore full hog but i definitely would be completely um shattered if i kept that kind of pace at the end of the at the end of the shoot i was legitimately shattered like i need to go to oh, sleep you should have seen me at christmas i can't uh, imagine how many, was, how many days was your shoot uh 28 
28 days. So it's highly compressed then. And it's feature yeah, length, and we right? Doing, pardon? How, feature length film, right? <clears throat> yeah. We were doing 11-day yeah, fortnights. So we do six days one week and then five days the next week. Mm, shit. Yeah. And, 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 and when you're uh, imagining your processes, um, and you're probably similar to me is, is you, you don't really rest. Um, well, especially cause this is kind of your big first go around at this. So you're like, all the, all the cards are stacked on you, but well, I imagine you're, yeah, there's a, there was a thing about, I'm, I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> one of the things about it though, is that I was really determined to remember the experience no matter what. Mm. And so one of the things, cause so often these things can be a blur and you just don't take much away from it on the back end, apart from a bunch of kind of feelings. And so I've never been a coffee drinker. I always drink tea and I was determined to give myself like a, a sense memory. So I started drinking espresso coffee, which I always love the smell of, but I started drinking it in pre-production so that I would have this sense memory of whenever I had an espresso coffee, I would be back in Hungary making archive. Uh, and it's worked. Like I have an espresso machine at home now. And I drink espresso pretty much every day. Mm. And it's just like remembering all these things that happened really, really clearly mm. with that, the smell and then the taste of the coffee. Um, but <clears throat> the whole thing about being out there, I was really determined to try and enjoy some of the social stuff too that comes with filmmaking, especially when you're in a, you know, Budapest is like, it's a fun city. All the rest of the crew pretty much were local. So they all lived in the city. So they know where to go. They know where to hang out. They know what's good, what's bad. Um, you know, you've got like a bunch of local guys. We had a night out there with um, a bunch of um, girls on the crew took us out and we went to all their local pubs and it was one of the best nights out I've had in my life. Awesome. We kind of started at 11 o'clock and finished at about eight. <laughs> eight in the morning? It was just brilliant. It was, was just one of the off days. This is this is yeah. leading to the okay. Okay, so this is like one off, of the at the end of the fifth day or sixth day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But one of the things about rest that did piss me off. I was trying to do as much of the social stuff as possible. One of the things that I would normally miss, which because it would be on a weekday, would be we had actors that would come in for like a day or two days, and then they'd be out again. And so when they were over, it was like, oh, let's go out and have a nice meal, and you know, just kind of hang out and. I had to miss a lot of that because I'd be at home um, uh, in the ho- in the hotel um, in the flat, uh, like boarding the next day or going over stuff or finishing graphics and rendering stuff that's going to be on a monitor screen and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that's your so job. Was, you know, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I was I, I missed out on a, a couple of really really lovely meals with some awesome actors. That, the you know, the worst and best job on set is a director. That's that's it. You know, <laughs> it's for that those examples. You know, it's like fuck. You know, I want to I want to do all this stuff, but I but I don't. And all this all this shits on me, but I love it, but I hate it. It's like <laughs> if it's successful, <laughs> it's great. That's the thing. The love it and hate it is you love having done it. Sometimes doing it isn't so much of a love. One of the things that surprised me was the stuff I couldn't do as a director, which kind of pissed me off a little bit. What is? What did you find that? What, what, what I was were the things? With, I was working with vehicles, and I had um, a beautiful 1980s um, Series 1 Lotus Elan, mm-hmm. and I had this lovely old Wrangler Jeep, mm-hmm. and I couldn't drive either of them, and I really wanted <laughs> to just have a little drive in them. <laughs> Maybe you couldn't drive them. It was like an insurance thing. They won't let me uh, in them. Ah, yes. Okay. And that, that Lotus is my dream car, and I had one in front of me, and I was like, God damn it. Theo got to drive <laughs> Yeah, the boxy one, right? The boxy Lotus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, Rupert employed that for the Ghost and Shell film he did for yeah. uh, Beto's car. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. a beautiful, it's such a cool. I love those lines, but that's that's a work of art, yeah. I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of because you're like, I'm the damn director, and these are my toys, and oh, I guess. I <laughs> yeah, I thought I might be able to chance a few things and get away with some stuff, and I just they wouldn't let me drive the cars. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps, hopefully, if this works and succeeds, and you have a success from it, which I'm hoping for, then you can go and purchase one yourself and drive it oh, all you want. So there you go. <laughs> Put that, that shit would... out in the universe and make it happen, you know. So manifest it, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I will it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> it is a possibility, you know. So um, you mentioned this. Is, I, I'm, I'm. This is awesome. I, I'm, I'm loving this conversation because, like, these kind of conversations for me are kind of few and far between because there is. We could talk a lot more. I don't know why we don't, but um, these are so poignant to the experience of actually doing these things. And, and only a, such a small, a few amount of people actually are stupid enough and brave enough to go into these depths of themselves. Oh, man, you've got, we can talk about this anytime, dude. Honestly, I'm here all, I'm here all night. Well, I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, and, um, yeah. I, I do think there's, there is one thing that would be good to have a proper talk about, I think, because I'd like to pick your brains about this. And I know it's something that a lot of people would want to, it might be a bit big to get into now, but I think it would be really good to talk about how you actually get to this point as a director and get yes. to do the kind of stuff that we've done as a director. Cause you know, just, I get asked that all the time, like, how do you switch careers? And it's quite a big question because there's a lot of life money to happen around it. I love it. I think you should, because you're ahead of me. So I would love to know from you as to how you got to where you are. I, I know we talked a little bit about general things like knowing the right people, the right time and all that kind of stuff. That's obviously very essential. But, and I think what you said earlier, it's, it's, this is actually the most important thing that I think of anything that you get from this podcast for those that are listening is that you need to just go do it that's the first yeah. thing and like you said earlier it's like once you put that one spike in the stone the rest of it kind of congregates around it and it's 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 about putting that first thing in there but i would love to know because you're right and i think that's an absolutely um, perfect segue to get into i have a nice long list of questions this will be a never-ending thing but let's definitely dive into this because i i found you from your blog so it was cool because i found when I read your blog, I went, oh, this guy's fucking passionate. He's he's one of us. He's passionate and he loves this shit. Like, I got to talk with him. And we did. And obviously we hit it off. So I think, and now it's cool to see your trajectory. Because you didn't go from just being a fan to just being a fan guy. You know, a lot of people, I think they, they hit the fan guy thing and they go, okay, well, I'm here and that's it. It's so hard to break that threshold. So yeah, to go from. A, it can be done though, right? Oh, absolutely. Cool. If, if we can do it then anybody yeah. can do it. And I have a different methodology of mine, I think. So I'm curious to see your approach because um, I think you went the more proper route, whereas I'm going this weird segue route. But <laughs> well, I always feel a little bit on the back foot because I look at I look at what you do and I just think like, shit, this guy's done like, you've done like, what, 10, 12, 14, like awesome shorts. I don't have a body of work like that behind me to get to this point. I've got loads of work I've done, but you've got like a body of, of filmmaking work, which is, it speaks for itself. It's beautiful. It's all there. You can watch it. You can't argue with it. It's real. You made it and it's beautiful. I don't have that. I have a short film that I did. Um, I did a, um, I managed to get one short film made, like a 20 minute short film, but I just went straight in for the, for the feature because I'd like a, I mean, this is one of the things about all of this, um, about, um, about this, this whole sort of part of the conversation, which I think is crucial, which is whenever anybody talks about this stuff, they're always talking about it through the lens of survivor bias. 
where um, <laughs> something's happened and they've managed like me, like I've managed to get my film made. Uh, it's finished. It's not out yet. It's um, yeah. We're like one of the, we must've been one of the first casualties of the, um, the coronavirus thing. Cause we were due to debut at Sundance premiere mm-hmm. on the 14th of March. And he yeah. got cancelled a week before we flew out there. Anthony's film so, too. Same fucking shit. Mm-hmm. What was he meant? Right. Was he at Sundance? Was I, don't, he? I think it was Sundance. It was TIFF Sorry, or something Sorry, like South by. Sorry, I keep getting mixed up. It was yeah. South by. It was in March. Okay, that's awesome. I'm stoked that you... That's Congratulations too. That's a huge thing. And it's a bummer, but at the same time, that's... Yeah, that's off, yeah. That's cool. fucking huge. Um, that's massive. It's a weird one. It's a bit of sweet. It's cool that we were there. The thing is, we found out about it. I was out in... I was having a... a, a <laughs> It was, um, I was out having a, a really nice dinner in a restaurant called the Ivy in London, like a fancy restaurant, with producer Phil, Stacey Martin, and Stephen Price, our composer, um, the amazing Stephen Price, who is also a very uh, a key ally. Um, I can't believe I managed to work with Stephen. He um, won the Academy Award for Gravity in 2014. Mm, cool. And he's, just, he's written the most gorgeous, gorgeous score to this film. It's, it's That's awesome. That guy's just... That's 50% a, of the freaking thing, you know? Yeah, it's a yeah. huge amount of weight and, and experience. It's I can't huge. believe... The music in this film, I can't believe what... Um, I can't believe what we've yes. got in this film. It's phenomenal. I'm excited to hear and see and feel and experience this thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, um, it's, so it's we, the shifting. I found out, you know, I found out at that, at that meal we were eating and we were all a bit drunk. And then uh, Phil got a, an email through and it was like, oh, shit, it's all cancelled. But, um, yeah, I mean, at least I got the film finished, though. It's like I can't be too down about this. I've got a finished film in my pocket. We mm-hmm. haven't spent the advertising money yet. You know, Good. we're still on track for distribution in July, but that may get pushed. I will have to see what happened, what's yeah. happened. With- World's coming um, back in around August. I think people are going to – things are going to start coming back around in August. And for those yeah. who are listening that are listening off time of this, we are in – uh, the middle of April right now, and yeah. COVID's hit hit the the states really hard about a month ago. And I've been in, in about a month and a half in quarantine at my house, basically. So it's super weird. Sorry, you're saying? Yeah, I've been in for four weeks. Um, you know, survival yeah, bias. Thing, like, a, um, survivor bias is a huge big thing because what I found is like whenever people talk to people about things, they always just go, "Oh well, yeah, I did this and this and this, and that was all fine." <laughs> But everyone's got their own their own kind of sort of case. But I find yes. whenever I get asked about how you know how I actually managed to become a director, I think the thing that you've really really got to just be able to manage. Basically, you've got to have two jobs. You've got to be able to pay your bills. It took me um, what eight years or so to get to a point where I was on set. And when you're working as a director, you might get a bit of money for a script up front, but if it's your first time, you might be talking about, I don't know, you might, over the whole thing, you might end up getting paid like five or six or eight thousand pounds over whatever the period is. Um, And then when you're shooting, um, you get paid on the first day of the shoot. And usually there's a deal with a production company where they'll they'll take that fee and they'll split it over the course of the production. So you'll get paid like chunks of money every week, um, some bigger than others. And then usually they'll save a little bit of that money so that when you deliver the film, you'll get paid the last little bit and then you're all done. But like you get for me, points on it too. Is that part of your deal? You get points. On uh, it, yeah. 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 That's good. But, yeah. But Sorry, the, this, this sort of broader point is I could survive and pay my bills whilst the film was in production and being made. Yeah. And for a little bit after that, like, a you know, maybe like, um, yeah, maybe like three or four months after that, I could have, 
kept paying for things. Good. Um, apart from that, you know, I'm broke. <laughs> and, um, <Yeah. laughs> you know, post production took a year. Yeah. So you better have another job. I mean, I'm, yes. I freelance and I design. Um, uh, I design. I do concept work for the games industry. So right now I'm working on Star Citizen, designing ships. Awesome. And I've been with those guys for like six years plus now. So fantastic company. Best best bunch I've ever worked for as a freelancer. Really cool company. Yeah. Cool people. Um, cool fun. Excellent um, fun work. Um, so basically, I took a sabbatical from those guys to go and shoot the film, and then um, then went back at the end of it. So I had my fortunately, I was lucky enough to have an ongoing freelance gig. So my advice would be get an ongoing freelance gig that you can drop out of for three or four months, and then drop back into again, and drop out of for a week or two if you need to, as pressure mounts like final delivery this you know there's 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 bits of the production where you just needed full stop and you better be there yeah um, and if you can do that and you can organize that then that that's what i did and it worked for me Smart. so uh, so i yeah. roll too i'm the same i'm the same my, well i'm lucky my partner and basically my producer my wife she's a financial consultant she knows how to manage and and do this stuff really well which leads to lots of arguments because I'm like impulsive and emotional about my spending of things. You know? so, <laughs> so I feel bad for her, but she's so amazing at managing um, our, our living. And, and I work really hard. Uh, oftentimes do, I just work seven days a week and I'll just do that for years. I'll just be grinding. And uh, we save up everything outside of the purse. You know, we have the, the month expenditure and then everything else goes into retirement and then that just goes into savings and that just stacks, stacks up. And then the, the, so when you see me doing the personal projects, that just comes from me being able to manage the finances so I can go like, I'm fucking off for a month and I'm just going to focus on this. And it's never that way because usually a, a really cool project will come in the first day that I decide to do my person passion project. I'm like, ah, shit, I gotta, can't say no ah, to this, you know? Yeah, yeah Batmobile comes in. I'm like, well, I definitely can't say no, no to this, man. you know? So yeah, it's, and, and those are just opportunities that you literally cannot say no to. And so, but I, I agree. And I think first and foremost, I'd say, and I love your take on this because it is true. A lot of people go like, well, you know, fucking you just grab your, you know, put your pants on and get to work. It's, it's so easy to say that, but actually there's a lot of levels to it. And, and the first thing you need to have is comfort and stability in your finances. And that comes from having jobs. And that's great for you to say. And I appreciate you being honest with everybody because it's like, yeah, you're directing this feature film and you have all these things in line, but by no means are you wealthy enough to just be off and driving Bugatti Veyrons through the roads of Italy, you know? So, <laughs> you know, that's a very yeah, elite club. <laughs> yeah, that's happening at the next one. Yeah. Or when this hits and, and it works, you know, so, but at the same time, it's, it's, that's such an important part of this is having ties to the real world where you're it's working totally, with clients. Yeah. It's what it's all about. I mean, right now yeah. I'm in a position where, yeah, I finished my first feature film. It was all finished in January. Um, we're in a funny point where, you know, the, the universe has kind of interfered with the release a little bit by the looks of things. And it's going to be, it's going to be even longer before I might potentially see any financial. I mean, as far as like getting any money back off the back end of it goes, you know, for everything's like nine months out anyway at the start. So, yep. you know, collections are generally every like three months or six months or so. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to see anything for a year anyway, if it makes money, it still yeah. will it'll still take a year. And that's from when it drops, which might not be <laughs> to the end of this year anyway. <laughs> so if I don't have another job, you yeah. know, one 
What am I going to tell my kid? What am I going to tell my lady? Yeah, that's one of the big perplexing things that's happened. But I noticed dads, like, we got families. Like yes. we got, a, we're responsible people. We're not, you know, we we we've got to be able to figure this stuff out and not overly stress our families at the same time. No, and 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 if you ask that of yourself, it'll overly stress you and it'll harm your product too. And I think it's 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 part of the slow burn. I call it the slow burn because it's like. Uh, you and I can't just go like, Hey, let's go to Hollywood and we're making movies. You know, like you, you just don't open a door and say, fire me. You literally have to show it from doing years and years of self free work. Basically. Um, yeah. you got to will it into existence. You, you just have got to, to go and make it happen every day. And that's, that's another thing I would say. So I'd say the first thing I think is a really good point to bring, keep bringing back and drilling into your minds is that, you need to have a nice, solid foundation of a network that is, is going to sustain you, a daily day, a day job. And then you also need to have, I always like to have six to eight months of income so that if shit absolutely hits the biggest fan ever and throws everything into pieces, I can sustain my life and my, and my family at the rate that we do now for at least six to eight months. And sometimes I try to save up for a year. So I could you are so much more sensible than me. I've got uh, my my window of that is two months. Two months isn't bad, and it's much better than what I see. It seems to be the stasis of all the people in America who have a week or two weeks, which is really really scary. Because I think I think I'm under really. I, my my take on it, I like I'd like to be at three months. Yeah, because my take three on months that is, is good. Three months. Yeah. I can spend a month acquiring work, spend a month doing work, and then maybe spend thirty days getting paid. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's why three months kind of makes sense. Yes. Yeah. You want to have, I always tell people it's as hard to do. I realize it probably takes about two years to do it, but you really need to have six months in my opinion. Six months is great. You just put it away. It's not even money that belongs to you. It belongs to future you. That's totally screwed and thankful that past you took care of your future you. You know, so that's such awesome advice if you can wangle that. Yes, and it's definitely possible. And this is the way that I do it: is you work a day job or whatever. You put you put the nine to five in. Then you work the second job, and that's a part time job. But you do it anyways because that's going to your nest egg, and you do that for two years or less. If depends on how much you make. And if you're having problem with making enough money that you want, you literally, if you're in our field, you all you have to do is spend a couple hundred bucks, buy some tutorials, advance your skill set, and then boom, you're worth more. It's pretty simple math, you know. Um, it, it the problem is, is it just takes a lot of time. It's I'm an impatient person, and like if I were to have told myself that CGI doing CGI shit is going to take me this long, I'd be like, Oh God, really? Oh no. I would really be doubtful of me wanting to actually do it. But because I've been doing it for like six years now, I'm just like, well, I'm already in the shit and I got to keep going. You know, I just got a, a Corona render and I'm, I'm trying a new render and I'm like, well, let's see where this leads me, you know, but all that knowledge just kind of impacts and stuff. But what I'm saying is what you do is you invest in yourself. I feel like if when you invest in yourself, it's like you can't go wrong. It's it's the best thing you could ever do for yourself in your life because it – I always think of it as everything. like – I totally agree. I always think of it as like um, I'm not really – I don't gamble. Um, Me neither. I don't. I never saw the point of it. Yeah, right. I've now maybe because I've never won anything. I don't know. I, I <laughs> the thing is though, the, so the you won some things. things. <laughs> no, not really. Um, I must have done. What have I won ever in my life? Your, one life, of those, your oh, existence. Wow. There you go. You won that. Yeah. There you go. I won the I won the um, swimming sperm race when I was 
with all the other sperms. There you go. You won out of all <laughs> the other else. sperms. That's 14 million to one or something. Dude, there you go. That's that's, that's some legitimate right. odds. And then you that's went off and you made a feature film. If you do the I ratio, like, like, it's pretty crazy. Out of all those sperms that never made it, like none of them made a film. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Think about that. Everybody out there listening, if you ever feel like, you know, you haven't, like you don't stand out or there's nothing nothing about you that, you know, is if, you, if you're ever having a bit of low self-esteem, just think about the fact that you beat those other 100 million sperm. <laughs> I, lo- I like that. That's actually that's 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 legitimate uh, we're all winners everybody who's alive is a hardcore winner bless your bless your be- bless your beginnings baby yeah <laughs> 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 that's true it's so silly but it's absolutely true big it's, odds we've all won big odds just to be huge born. odds massive odds yeah. and, and the fact that we're actually here and living disease-free and like existing in this it's insane and it always drives me up the walls and through the walls when people are like, I'm bored. Ugh. Like, and he's like, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just want to shake you so hard. It's like, there's no such thing. You should never be bored. There's so many questions unanswered. There's so many things that you could do. My biggest problem, I'm sure you're the same way, is like, there's literally not enough time in the fucking day for me to do oh, what I want to. About. And I only uh-huh. sleep like four to five hours a day. And I'm like, motherfucker, I need to, I need more. I need more. I feel like yeah. Roy Batty with the fucking hand, more time. Every day I'm <laughs> that fucking Roy Batty. Every day I'm like, I need more time. There's I just want Elon, to, Elon Musk to shift his research efforts to that Matrix brain download. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad at that idea. I wouldn't be mad at the idea of, of going into a cloud. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> my, back would, less, my back would hurt less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but shit. I, so I was saying, say, so that, I think these are really great notes and I do, I do think it's, a, it's great to actually point that out that once you finish that line and then you look back at people that haven't asked you these questions, you're like, it's looking blah, blah, blah. It's easy to pass this stuff along. I would say for, I, I think our two journeys are, are a little bit different and I, and thank you for the kind words towards the, the short films. The short films are literally me putting all the pressure on myself to try and learn something that I feel like has to be good enough to share publicly. So it puts tremendous pressure on me. <laughs> oh, this I, is a thing that I think people need to get about whenever we whenever we do something and put something out. It's it's the artistic equivalent of standing up in front of a room full of people and shouting, "Oh, you check this out!" and pulling your pants down. <laughs> <laughs> but the it's, but the, the, your lot. private parts are your art, yeah. So well, it is so right. It's like it's a lot. It's, well, it's yourself. It's You're it's really you. I remember when um, I, I was in. I think I was in Russia and. I was at a speaking event and they were kind enough to premiere and show some of my short films. And I was so humbled that people actually stayed and watched them. It was a pretty massive cl- crowd. And I, and I explained to people, because every, between every film, I explained to people, I said, you know, I was born in this body. My name is Ashthorpe. I'm a white male from America and I have all these things. But the true me is these films. Like this is the thing that's through and through. These are who I am when I make these things and I collaborate with my friends when I make them, it's like, that's who I am. And it's, it's a, it's a joy. And it's also incredibly nerve wracking <laughs> because anybody and any, any, everybody, cause when you leave that door open, anybody's like, Oh, it's fucking shit. And what they're saying is your shit. And I go, Oh crap. I've since learned mechanisms <laughs> to avoid that. And that's thanks to years of therapy. now, <laughs> Which is how given is employed. It's employed. And, and, and I, I think you're probably, you're sensitive as I am too to these things. Right. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, to be honest... We all are. But. There is a, a little bit of a thing that I got from the back of Moon, to be honest, where um, one of the things that I really did experience off the back of Moon was an unexpected... Um, an unexpected uh, like wave of positivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we did Moon, right? <clears throat> nobody cared. Nobody was interested when we were shooting it. When we were all this stuff that was going on, no one, no one was bothered. Um, and then when we were out at Sundance for the premiere in two thousand and nine, we did the premiere, and then in the morning, I remember I'd just got an iPhone just before I went out to to Utah, Salt Lake City. Um, Your first yeah. iPhone? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember being in the – because me and the DOP, Gary Shaw, and the uh, effects editor, Baz, Barrett Heathcote, we went out there. We, we didn't get a hotel in the tanks. So it was too expensive. So we got a, a big uh, Winnebago, and we stayed in the, <laughs> the um, best. Winnebago Park for the hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we, stayed in, we stayed in this Winnebago. That's So we woke up freezing our asses off. Um, up this mountain, this Winnebago, uh, jumped on our phones in the morning, and everyone was, you know, first reviews out, and everyone's been really nice to us. That's and I remember sweet. thinking it was. I remember thinking um, not to get carried away with it because yes. if all these people that I didn't know were saying all these nice things, <laughs> like I, what if they started saying bad things? Like, yeah. and it was like if the good things mean something and the bad things have to mean something too. Yes, they do. And so I kind of developed this style of thinking, which was, um, I was kind of trying to imagine myself as like a, an ice breaking ship, a huge ship, like going through the ice. And no matter what happened, I was on like a true course. Mm. And I really had a big word with myself and managed to sort of get my head in a, in a, a good place with that off the back of moon, Beautiful. which was, which was that if something awesome happened, well, basically what it was, we'd just been through the, the whole roller coaster ride of getting the film finished. And, you know, it was our first film and it was a case of like, when we're doing moon, we had four times when the whole thing was like completely screwed, like completely screwed. Uh, and then it got saved. And the emotional ride was just crazy. It was like, it was like, we're making a film. Yes. And then it was like, <laughs> Oh my God, we haven't got enough money to do it properly. And we've started building the sets. Jesus, this is never going to work. We're screwed. And it's like, we got Sam Rockwell. Yes. And it was like, the dates have had to move. Oh my God, we, we're going to lose the studio. Ugh. And it was, it was a real roller coaster. Fuck. And so I sort of started like retreating a little bit mentally and just thinking, like, just sort of saying to myself, the more it happened and the more we kept getting away with it, I I developed this style of thinking where it was like, whatever's going on, we'll make it right. So there's no need to react in the moment. If something mm. awesome's happening, that's brilliant. If something shit's happening, we'll fix it. Mm. So essentially what I did was, that if you think of it as like um, a sine wave and you've got a, a positive peak and a negative peak, the negative peak being bad news and the positive peak being good news, basically what I did was like flattened off the... Um, uh, the amplitude of the sine wave. So it meant that if something really bad happened, I didn't get, um, I didn't start stressing out or whatever. I just kind of like just had a cold look at it and just thought, okay, you know, we can get into this. We'll fix it. We can, we can figure it out. We've got time. We can do it. But it also meant that when something awesome happened, I didn't get the euphoric jumping up in the air, punching the ceiling vibe. What I got was like a really deep, warm glow inside mm. that lasted a lot longer. Mm. Um, and so that's, I mean, I've been doing that since like 2009. I kind of just got my head into that place and figured out 
how to think. I sort of trained myself to like think like that mm. because I didn't want to. I didn't want the highs and lows because it felt really dangerous to me. Because super dangerous, dude. Just spin out. You know? Yes, yeah, it's very, very dangerous to to like. Um, I remember even recently with the the Batmobile release and the whole world having their opinions on it, and even close friends yeah. and just people that uh people came out of the woodworks with weird ego shit and i was like whoa this is really weird and i actually was like i, re- I kind of wish i didn't even do it that's how high and low i went i went wow. so i went super fucking high like which is the point where i had so much adrenaline in my hand like because i didn't know they're releasing it i had no idea i, right, I thought, so I, thought I was gonna have to wait for two years or something and i was like fuck I can't tell anybody about this for two years. It's driving me nuts because it's a big thing, you know. It's like, yeah. especially to me, I'm a car guy and I'm a huge Batman fan. So I'm like, this is fucking insane. So, but I remember my friend of uh, Olaf texted me. He's like, "Fuck!" and it was it was Matt Reeves' text or uh, tweet, and I was like, my hands were shaking. I was like so elated that I could barely text on the phone. I was like, oh my god. Then towards the end of the day, after all of the the, because I went so high with it. <laughs> I had a crash and it was like for that yeah. whole week I, I kind of I was so out of myself I was taking a bath and I didn't even want to talk it was really weird it was very very weird yeah, nice. I mean there you go right I mean that's yeah. that's a real a real manifestation of uh, it's like physicality right it's, it's like coming out physical. of your head into the world and that'll be affecting people around you as well some, to some degree or another I would imagine oh it was really it's very weird like the things that came out of people's mouths and the egos that sh- like came out i was like whoa you're really weird (laughs) or (laughs) or you are jealous or you are really just on a different level of odd oddity i think it it just shook a lot of people that i knew at least um that weren't prepared for it yeah it it just shows that you're getting somewhere you're gonna get that the the further you get the more you'll get that it's yeah it's quite sad though it's a it's a good indicator of of getting on though do you know what i mean yeah i think you You have a much better approach to it than i do (laughs) so not i I, that's why it's it's another it's a big topic in therapy is like how to digest and process this stuff because who i am and my art is so from within myself at least that's why i tell myself think about Uh, think about this right i've um gotten to a point where I have worked with um, quite a lot. Of, uh, this is a thing that's kind of weird. Um, I had a, a bit of imposter syndrome working on archive, right? Where I'd find myself in meetings, and we, I'd be in a in a room with like you know half a dozen people, and I'm sat there, and I'm just thinking like everybody else in this room is a multimillionaire apart from me, and I'm the one who's like top like chairing this thing, or it's about me. And I felt like such a, I don't know, I just felt weird. I just felt like I was like outside of it. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're being real with yourself though, aren't you? No. I guess I just felt weird to me though. But, well, it is weird. Uh, it's, it is weird because you're sitting there, you're the director, there's billionaires around you. That is a unique situation. That's not an everyday thing. So it's good yeah. to acknowledge that, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's, it, <laughs> it's true. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's funny yourself in these weird situations. I, I, there's a point I was going to get onto. And, uh, and Sharon so Winnebago. I love the, I was going to say, just before we go too far off that, I was going to say one of my also, my all-time favorite things of doing this is is these journeys. Like, that's fucking cool. Like, when else would you ever be in, in bumfuck nowhere in a Winnebago with your friend? <laughs> that's, that's cool, dude. That's cool. Yeah. You know, that's it's, it's an excuse 
to live. I think that's what it is. That's one thing. I, okay. That's one of the other things I really love about making films and collaborative art is it's literally an excuse to live, which is so. There's so many reasons not to live, you know. Uh, yeah. But, but these things are the excuse and the reason to live. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut in. I just wanted to make sure. There's a great that. example of that actually with archive where towards the end uh, we're in post production and I needed to shoot some waterfalls and it was always something that I was going to pick up. I was going to go to Iceland and shoot a bunch of waterfalls, mm. but in the edit, um, my lovely editor, Adam Biskupski, um, he used some temp footage from the tourism board of Norway and we found this beautiful waterfall and I just completely fell in love with it. And I was like, right, I want that waterfall. So I was like, I was going to go to Iceland. I was like, we found the waterfall here. Let's go to Norway and shoot this one. So I took my Mavic Pro 2 drone. Um, <laughs> I actually just bought it's one It's a great as well. drone. It's a great drone. It's a beautiful drone. The camera on that's just fantastic. Yeah, the Hasselblad one. Yeah, I sold mine. I, I didn't. I, if, I don't, if I don't use gear for like six months, I get rid of it because I'm like, oh, it's of no point. But yeah, because it, it, it they age so fucking fast. Every like six months, there's a new one. But sorry, but I, I the times I did use it, oh man, I fucking flew the shit out of that thing. <laughs> that drone, that drone is my robot wife. I will never leave it. <laughs> it will stay with me forever. It's Wh- crazy how it- affordable that thing is and what it produces. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But so we went out there with a couple of Mavics and uh, Phil the producer came out and we hired a car and we spent four days driving around Iceland shooting waterfalls with the drones and it was just brilliant because once we're out there <laughs> once we're out there we had the first drop of music from Stephen Price oh there you go this wonderful experience where we were driving across Norway um, epic. Everything we were shooting just looked beautiful. So I was like thrilled. Yeah. Like halfway through the first day, I was like, right, I've got what we need right now. We've got, I've, I've basically mission accomplished. <laughs> Vacation. Times yeah. 10 in the first half day. Yep. I was like, yeah, we were up, a, up this wonderful waterfall in a place called Manafossen. And uh, it was really overcast. So we were in the clouds. So the waterfall was cutting in and out of the clouds. And I just got everything I wanted in the first half of day. And I was like, everything else for me is just bonus gravy now. Like, we're totally <laughs> on this, this mission. That's so funny. Um, and it. so as we were driving around, we had a drop from Stephen, and we played it on this car stereo driving through Norway and played the first pass at the soundtrack. It was oh. the first time any of, us, any of us had heard anything. Wow. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was so cool. So, so you and cool. Phil, and did, was your DOP there, or did you just no, take care I, of that? Uh, it's a, That's awesome. No, it was, so you, uh, the three of you then? You yeah, fill in your editor. Yeah, myself, editor, and producer. Damn, that sounds awesome. What a fucking so beautiful... Good. That's a gem of a moment. That's a moment... You, you you pass away, and that's a moment that you no way can ever take from you, and that's a moment that you manifested. It's a moment that was just needs to be celebrated. You know? Yeah, it's it, so good. It, it's, really it's romantic. It really is. It's a romantic thing to think about. Like, these are... You know, you could sit at home and 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 get angry about shit and sit there and become a keyboard warrior or um, be manifest like get wrapped up in somebody else's drama or something, or you could be out in Iceland flying drones around and listening to fucking score to your future film. What do you want? Pick the fucking road, and I, you know, I'm I'm on the left <laughs> side of Iceland. Adventure. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. it's literally that. It's literally that, and it's it is a choose your own adventure because. Uh, that's why I asked about your your support because it's like if if you were to say like oh if you didn't say anybody that you're proud or thankful to be collaborating with and I, it was sketchy but you're like no I have Phil Phil's my fucking my my person that I develop these things with and 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 is my 
partner in this journey and, and to have that it's so important and to go through these journeys is so cool and to and to do them and and to share them is so is so cool and incredibly rewarding and they're, they're really beautiful it's it's a really beautiful part of life and that i think it's a part to be celebrated i remember at the end of the shoot for solace we had built up this whole the whole film had built up this massive scene basically and it's a big a heavy emotional scene and uh, and we had designed the whole thing all the way up to this final moment and it, it was it was um the the other day that i can remember that felt this kind of pressure was waiting for my wife to come out the day i was marrying her the anticipation and the the wow. the, 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 the the mental and focused of of love and just the overall like fuck it's all coming to here and she <laughs> and she had come out and she we did four ta- four passes and i never seen acting like that ever in my life in close in person. So I got emotional. I cried. And then at the end of this, we went, it was shot. The last shot was this ma- massive emotional shot four takes. Everybody was ready. The sun, everything was perfect. And then the sun c- c- closed out full moon, massive moon out in the desert, nothing around us, nobody except us. And we did this huge like cry fest <laughs> all huddled together. And it was amazing. It was so those are the journeys, you know, those are the things that like I, I told myself at that day and it's been hard to remember that, but I told myself if this thing is a piece of shit and it doesn't work and everybody hates it, at least I have that, you know, and at least I have the joy of that fucking special moment, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I get emotional thinking about it cause it was such a, an incredible special moment for all of us too. It was really cool. So I'm sure I made a couple of people cry in archive, but I think it was a little bit different to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i mean yeah and also, also i think maybe there's a differentiating thing that's a big key factor and it's something i talk with anthony to great length about is that on this project everybody was doing it out of passion nobody's getting paid at the end nobody's getting paid at the time of doing it we basically fly everybody out feed them make sure everybody's taken care of into the level of comfort that we can achieve but everything else is just done, you know, like um, products and things are bought and purchased and made for. So nobody's having to pay money. So you just kind of come out. So we had um, our amazing sound guy, Colton, for example, we never worked with him, never met him before, really did a phone call with him. Super fucking rad. Came out and was like one of the most amazing people. But he didn't get paid and he was totally cool with that. And he just came out and, and donated his time and his energy and his, and his tools to the project. There was a really unique thing that happened with that and it can easily get manipulative. And I think a lot of people probably look at me as being this person that takes people, gets them to do stuff for free and then takes the credit for it. And I've tried to be as close, as open as possible about this stuff too, because that's never my case. I always try to, I'm very open and transparent about these problems. That sounds like one of those things that if anybody would ever say that to you, they don't have a lot to people say that. the outsole side of things, surely. What's that? I would have thought that, I mean, you know, sometimes people, you know, they say mean stuff, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I've never got that vibe about you, dude. Well, I appreciate that. I see what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. You're teaming up with people. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And and I, it's always been, it's, for me, it's always been like, let's showcase to the world what we love and what we do. And Yeah, and this work's going to be on their reels as well. Yeah. Well, and, and Anthony got me to see that too. He was like, dude, they're using you too. Like they know that you're going to put this together and make it special because you don't just do halfway stuff. So, but it yeah. was, it was, and I'm, I love my team. They're amazing. And I, and I adore them. I still keep in pretty close contact with all of them pretty much. And, um, but it was a special moment. It was a really special thing. And I think that that mechanism was quite unique. And I, I told them all I said at the end of this, I said, I can't wait to 
have the ability to afford to pay you to come back and we can do this more because it's because that's really that's the the thing between that but to go back to your your main thing about shifting gears i think it's really beautiful that we've both kind of aligned on the idea that well you can't just go straight to doing it you could you could try if you have a, a nice savings already or if you have an inheritance or you have this ability to kind of make that shift but for those of us that are pretty common i, I would consider us you and i to be like we're cut from the same cloth. Um, well, I grew up in pretty bad poverty, raised by a single mom. So I have nothing. So any wealth that I get is acquired by me and my own time and my abilities. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've built yourself up. Yeah. And it's, I, I personally, I don't know any other way. I don't know what it's like to be wealthy or rich. I know what it's like to be comfortable, but I do enjoy it. I used to hate it growing up, but I do enjoy it now because I'm able to look on the other side and go like, well, I'm glad it's almost like your, your life is a brick wall and you're putting up each brick and you're not to close anything off. I'm just, I'm not saying it's a wall to block anything. It's just every brick. I like to be able to hold each brick and go like, well, this was that experience on the wall. And, 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 and over time it's like, I see a lot of people, they go like, well, I'm just going to like throw a wall in here and buy it from home Depot or Ikea and that's my life. And it's like, well, your life is kind of shit because you don't have a foundation. You haven't earned it, you know? Um, and that's one thing I would say, and I know you probably feel similar is when you're on set. The one thing I learned from um, Cameron is that he, people would, I heard this from many people. They would say, well, he's better at almost everybody on set of their doing their own job. So they can't get away with anything. And I always took that to heart. Not that I think that I'm better. Or I should be better, but I always think that you should be well equipped so that when it's a fan you know how to do that job and you're willing to to work with that person on how to get to that level you know so i'm going all over the place here so i apologize i'm jumping all (laughs) over the conversation but um but i think we should go back again too to the to the idea of shifting it because i'm going off doing my passion projects these are all self-funded um they're all self-motivated and they're done with the work and time and, and effort of collaborating with other artists but you, like you said, you had your short, which I think was a huge building. Well, because you you also lived vicariously through Duncan when they were doing when you guys were doing Moon, I'm sure. And I I kind of lived vicariously through my friends as well. But this big shift, how did when you were like, well, this is going to have to happen? When did, did you just kind of go, well, I'm going to start putting a lot, investing a lot of my time into archive, and because you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, like learning to write and learning to tell stories. So when did that shift kind of happen? After Moon, I felt pretty burnt out and I ended up um, taking a job at an advertising agency as a visual effects director. Mm-hmm. And I was there for like three years. So that was from like mid-2009 until, let's see. Nine, what was your mind state yeah. then? How was your, how was your mind state at that time? I was knackered. I was burnt out. I was a bit pissed off. Um, sure. Yeah, That's a real just, common thing I hear too. Yeah. I was in a weird place. I was, um, Duncan decided he wanted to go out to LA. I didn't want to move out there. I'd just met um, a really nice girl and who's now the mother of my child. Um, You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go out to LA. It just wasn't my thing. Um, There's, there's something keeping me in London. So I just wanted to kind of recover. So I took a job at an ad agency to pay my bills um because i was i was in a pretty bad financial state doing moon like i worked on that film for like uh 22 months and i got paid fifteen thousand quid 
for the privilege <laughs> working on that film for 22 months. Yeah. And I didn't have any savings when we went into it. So I was like eating beans and sh- like literally. Yeah. I, I had like a cupboard with a bunch of cans of cheap soup in. And that Thank was my you for idea. being honest about this stuff too. This is a that side that people don't know. They don't talk about and this is true. Well, this is when you was talking about, when you were talking about passion, like, they, you know, I never, I never thought I'd get to work on a sci-fi film and then we got to do Moon. Yes. So I was like, I don't know if I'm getting a chance to do this again, so I'm going to put everything into this. Yes. So I wasn't I wasn't moaning about being like on the poverty line when I was doing it. Sure. I just did it because I was like, I've just got to do this. I'll figure it out later. Yep. So, same, you know. Same here. Yeah, just get through it. So I picked what the hell are you going to do elsewise, you know? It's like, yeah, it's, well, that's it, right? <laughs> it's not like they're taking advantage of you. You're literally working simultaneously. You're both symbiotically learning and working together. And if you yeah. didn't have that experience, I can't imagine you'd be in the state that you are now. I just can't. Exactly, right? It's all yeah. about it's a bricks. This yes. is me putting some bricks in. Yes, it's all you putting bricks in and becoming that lucky sperm. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you were saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. what was that? Oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went to work at an advertising agency. I was there for three years. I was working with a in a. I was working at a with a small post production company inside a larger advertising agency, and I was working as a visual effects director. So I'd worked in advertising before uh, with Duncan. I'd done all sorts of stuff. So I knew it was something I could kind of do without taxing my brain too much. And I thought this will be a good opportunity to kind of. Um, uh, <sighs> you know, get some energy back, basically, like recharge after this like, epic thing. And I kept getting sent scripts. It was a period of about two years. <clears throat> and basically anybody that was trying to do a modestly budgeted sci-fi film would send me the scripts and say, will you sign on to our project? Call this to do the script run. Did. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. So I must have got, there was a period of about two years and I must have got, well, I was getting like two scripts a week for straight over a year. Yeah. Um, Think about all the time you had to spend reading them too. Yeah. Well, I got got quite good at speed reading to be fair. Um, (laughs) But the funny thing is when I started working with Phil, one of the big kind of things that happened was we'd both get sent the same scripts around the same time. And we'd be like sort of talking about, you know, it's like, oh, did you get this one? Did you get that one? And uh, (laughs) that was kind of quite funny when we were starting to develop archive together. So, um, I was getting all these scripts through, and there's a lot of them. And there was nothing that made me want to commit the same amount of energy that I just expanded on Moon. Yeah. There's nothing there that I was like, there's nothing that I felt that the end result would be worth me putting putting that two years into it. It's like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not prepared Smart. to give my art. That sounds really bad. No, no, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I think you're being completely honest and true (laughs) because either way you're going to bleed. That's how you work, you know? So, yeah, it's just when I do something, I have to commit and put everything into it. You have to. And I wasn't prepared to put everything into these scripts, so it wasn't right for me to do them. I love that. I think more people should be more honest about their decisions in these things because it isn't just like a, a, a like, that shit drives me bonkers when people just make decisions and be like willy nilly or like not be invested. It's like, fuck off, either do it or don't. You know? Well, I think there was a it was a little bit of a luxury decision in the sense that I already had another job. Again, yeah. going back to two jobs. But you and earned so, it though. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, but again, I feel like it I was in you know, I'd I'd stacked my own deck in that I was able to pass on things without putting myself out on the street. Sure. Um yeah. so that was what I was doing. I was just like, Yeah, not doing that, not doing that. And Well, I'm what I mean by you earned it is you took the years of skills to acquire a job that had that level to allow you to have a 
life. You know, that's what I meant. Yeah, yes. I mean, it was kind of accidental, really, though, because when when I was working on Moon and we finished it, I didn't expect anybody else to seriously want me to do anything. I, I never thought about it. Mm. So when I started getting scripts, it was kind of surprising. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there are other people out there making films. Yeah. So a lot of people. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid, but. No, it isn't stupid, though. I think it like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of people, and I think more now than ever, because we have this um, platform war of content war. We have content wars going on. It's insane. There's so many, like, people making content, um, and most of it's derivative and shit, but most of, some of it's amazing, you know? So, But it's content wars, and we're in this amazing spot. So, Well, so, we'll see what happens when uh, we get out of this lockdown, because everything just shut down at the moment. There's going to be a weird gap. It's a huge bubble, and... I, I personally, I, I might be a little bit negative on this and I'm okay with this. There's a lot of things about this thing that I really love. Um, one of them is nature's getting its shit back, which is awesome. It's kind of <laughs> nice to see, right? All I love that. I, yeah. I love that. Another thing is people are willing and understanding that working remotely actually works. Yeah. <laughs> that means less commuting, less wasted time. People are able to spend more time with their families, which is really what matters. You know, like at the yeah. end of the day, even us, I think we both acknowledge that like, outside of our selfish endeavors of being directors and visionaries of these things. It's like truly the things that matter are the family and, and friends that are closest to us. That's really, that's the most important thing is your tribe. And I think that's a really, that was the one thing that was missing. So this whole COVID thing I think has allowed people to either go, I really hate my family and I need to get a new one or I love my family and I need to make it better. <laughs> you you just get a new family. Yeah. All right. Where do, you, where do you get, what website do you use for that? Dude, you just, um, you set up a new like, franchise like in Fight Club, you know, the guy's dad is set up franchises, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but no, I think um, there's a couple things, but one thing I'm thinking about with our industry is this is a thing that I've been kind of um, fighting for for a while. And I think I was hitting so many fucking walls, especially with the unions and the films and all that stuff. It's like, oh, wait, you're not going to come into the office? And I'd be like, fuck no. They're like, oh, come into the office. It's not You're not too far. I'm like, hey, guys, it's three hours drive one way yeah. and three hours drive back. I'll do it. You got to pay for it. That means I'm doing two hours of worth of work. It's up to you guys. you know. So they're like, oh, no, stay from home. But what I'm loving now is I think that a lot of people are going to go like, oh, shit, it works. It's actually more cost effective and we get better results because people are actually managing themselves and making things happen. And there's a more accountability, which is cool, too. But it's a whole learning curve. But there's a lot of things I'm hoping. But I, I do. One of the big things I'm worried about is movie theaters. I think that the movie theater that we knew before this, the movie theater experience, the social experience is never going to be the same. It's really weird. Uh, yeah, you might. Be right. it's, it's, it's really tough to call. I mean, it would be great to think it would all just go back to the way it was, but I know nope. what you mean. It feels <laughs> it's like not. it's gone. No, it's it's yeah. gone. A lot of things are gone. Um, and the moment I realized that and kind of got on board with it, I was like, well, don't expect anything to be normal or the same. And that's understandable. I do. I do love that the world as a human, as a species, we're kind of, for the most part, a lot of people, not everybody, but a decent amount of people are taking this seriously and respecting the lives of others by like, you know, being precautious and stuff, which is good too. But a lot of it's misinformation. It's a lot of crazy stuff. And I'm not a scientist, nor do I know the facts. So I don't, I just kind of stay away from it. And, 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 and I just, I, I tell my family, I said, I, I go all the way to the left and I go, I'm just saying like the most precautious, I'm just going to stay over there. Cause it's like, 
then I won't feel guilty if anybody gets harmed. You know, I won't, I won't have a, a risk of, of dealing with that kind of level of like disappointment myself for not caring and protecting the people that I love the most. So, but, um, shit, what were we saying? Oh yeah. The difference is after this, but I think it's going to be a, it's just, this is a paradigm shift and it's going to shift everything. Think about this, right? Just on the, on the subject of movie theaters. Um, It's April now, mid-April, and we don't know how this is going to pan out. It's all still going, so it's all in progress, right? So if you're listening to this website in the future, you will have the advantage we don't have right now of knowing what happened. But (laughs) it may well be that we've spent nine years, because we've got all these deals done for cinematic release for archive, and if that's all just been killed... Then and that doesn't come back, and we haven't got that waiting for us on the other side of it. Yeah. It may be that my bloody film is not going to end up in the cinema because there aren't any cinemas. Yes. Even though, even though I finished it and yeah. the film's been sold, fucking time to put in those cinemas. Yeah. Anthony said it one time perfectly, and it's a kind of a dark thing, but it was so true. He said, "He said I felt like I've been spending my whole life." planning and preparing for the Olympics only to find out it's been canceled. <laughs> it's so true. You put yourself through the most exhausting regimen for years and then boom. But I think it sounds like you're, I think obviously that'd be crushing, but I, either way, there's going to be another way well, through it. Like yeah. Netflix or Hulu or somebody, yeah, Amazon will pick it up and, and they'll use it as content to, to drive their platform. You know, Well, those kind of conversations are already happening. It's just, we're yeah. all looking to a cinematic release first. Dude, of course. Everybody wants that. I mean, that's the tradition, right? But yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, we've got, we've got North America. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's sold. The film's sold. It's just like, I would want it to come out in the cinemas in North America. That would be so cool. Fuck, that's awesome. Well, again, congratulations. That's a huge hurdle. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I really hope it comes around because I want to experience your, your effort and your film and your vision inside where it should be experienced in the theater. But I will say on the, on the other side of things is actually my film going experience in the theater's over the past decade has diminished significantly due to yeah. the inclusion of the fucking <clears throat> cell phone. It drives me bonkers. I remember my wife and I and my buddy Jason and his wife, we went out and saw Dave Chappelle live and they made us lock up our phones. And I was like, thank God this is amazing. Cause we all could be there watching Dave Chappelle do his magic. Yeah. And it was incredible because he's a fucking, he's a master at his craft. And so, yeah, uh, and we, nobody had their phones out because they couldn't. And, um, at the theater, so many times, more than not, it's I, I'm really particular about sounds. And if somebody's sitting next to me and they have their phone out or they're they're eating their food really loud, it it pulls me out, man. I get pulled out so fast and I get so pissed. So I usually go during the old people time and I and I wait and I buy it like two weeks after. And so what I'm saying is the film going experience has actually become more or less a chore an expensive chore that wasn't really yielding the proper results. So I ended up watching a lot of movies just either on my iPad, which I know is sacrilege or I would watch it on my TV at home. Um, but I find that I would enjoy it a little bit more by having my own surroundings around it. And I think I, I, I I'm not alone in this. I think the general population is sharing that too. And that's, that's a trend that's going to shift and it's another paradigm shift, you know? So I think generally speaking though, people have got, if people enjoy watching things, they've usually got a pretty good setup at home now. Yes, yeah. And it's so it's so affordable now to have like a proper setup. I mean, <clears throat> things have gotten so like cuz when I was a kid, it was like you're insanely rich if you had a TV that was a beyond 40 inches or something like that, you know? Like that was 
like this I'm 37 now so I guess I'm aging myself like a shit but like I remember it being like that was the deal so I think you can buy a TV that's bigger than my my whole entire body for at Costco for like super cheap it's crazy I'm not can cheap it's like a couple thousand dollars televisions please what's that could I have one of those body-sized televisions? <laughs> yeah, and then eventually we're just going to put on goggles and be inside of it, you know? So, but I, 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 there. Oculus Quest, let's go. Yeah, I still have a problem with that screen closeness and pixel density and stuff, but eventually that will get solved. But um, but you're right, and, I, and fuck, I, I, my heart goes out to you because to have to come this far, and that's a huge fucking accomplishment. I want to make sure we take a minute and be like, dude, let's sit here for a minute. You made a film come from nothing basically you went out and made this film built it birthed it from your mind and you've made it this far and motherfucking somebody ate a bat and then (laughs) (laughs) why do you eat a bat don't eat bats people there's so many nicer things to eat than a fucking bat yeah it it drives me bonkers the logic behind that they need to sort those markets out yeah but one of the things i do do for um a bit of um a bit of solace now and again which i i I actually this is this is something that um kind of loops back into what i was saying before about not swinging my moods too much Mm. um when i just think about the fact that uh, no matter what's going on i finished a film i believe in it it's just what i wanted it to be it's it's right there it's not this strange thing that's changed into you know it's it's what it was meant to be at the beginning i've i've I, what I manifest for better or worse is what it was meant to be. So whether people like it or not is something else, but I've got it where it, I thought it needed to be. Yes. So <clears throat> mission accomplished on that one. And it, it gives me that kind of like warm in a glow that I've like finished it and it's sat there finished. Dude, right. I love and, it. Dude. So proud of you, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm thanks, so man. proud Appreciate of you. It's huge, dude. It's huge. Well, the, thing, the thing that I do to sort of make myself um, feel better is I kind of mentally try and put myself in the space of what if I'd never done any of that and right now I'm stood there, whatever I'm doing, I'm usually in the kitchen when the kettle's boiling, making a cup of tea, (laughs) and I'm thinking to myself, right, what if now I decided I was going to do everything I could to try and make a film? Starting from now with no no primer, like just starting now. Good point. How does that work? And just try and sort of think through the steps of what I would do and how I might go about it and what it might be. Yeah. And to go through all of that and just remember the kind of extended, like, knackering mountain climb that was involved. And then to loop back in at the end and go, oh, yeah, I did that. Yes. Yeah, really you, yeah, you got to really revel on that and you celebrate it because it is a beautiful thing and it's an amazing thing. And and one thing that is, is really important is you're not just some bullshit, smoke-talking idea person. You know, there's so many people like that in this world. It drives me bonkers. Like people that go like, oh, yeah, I have this idea. Or they get mad when somebody else does the idea that they had. And you're like, fuck off, That's, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude. You just don't have the fucking balls to do it. That's it. Like you're, you're a failure. Go do it. You know, like there's nothing holding you back but yourself, you know. But no, you're not one of those people. You actually did it and you fulfilled it. And and amazingly, the stars align to the point where you have these crazy freaking things in process. It's just, like I said, somebody a bat and we're here now. So, yeah, <laughs> it's very unfortunate. But, yeah, no, no, it's not the bat's fault. It's not the bat's fault. Yeah. But um, but yeah. all jokes aside, it's like that's that's really something to celebrate. You know, it really is. It's in a world full of shit talkers and smoke, like especially in this industry. Like there's how many people do you know that are just 
they just talk out of their ass and you're like dude like well, i i mean i actually don't know them because i see it a mile away and i go like get away from me <laughs> like yeah, i avoid that's it that's why i work in isolation I was about to comment on it's like yeah, yeah. those are the ones that you kind of give them a wide steer yeah okay, well, i know what you mean you yeah. see them like they've got their own headlights on yeah exactly and you you kind of you have to i mean i i i personally i usually like most people and i try to be as as nice as possible to people but when i encounter those kind of people because i was it was so familiar in my childhood to be around those kind of people i go oh okay you're this i got here's the arm and i got to give you the hand and stay away from me you know like cuz i only want to be around proactive pro- productive people that are doing this because it is so hard to do these things um and it's there's every reason in, in in the world to not do them, you know. But like you said, I think that's a perfect example. It's like you got to do them. A thing I really want to dig into. I know um, I got maybe thirty minutes left. If that's okay, I got to take my dog for a walk before the sun yeah, goes down. Cool. I, I, and I know it's late there for you. It's got to be what two now. But I think you're a night guy like me. So yeah, I'm I'm up all night. <laughs> so I appreciate <laughs> you sharing so the night with me. Is- Everyone else is asleep. You can get loads done. Yes, that's 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 basically why I do it. I'm a basically all day guy, so I, I like I I started doing because of this whole thing too. My whole schedule got switched, and I was doing a bunch of client work and passion stuff all over. I was just doing yeah. the, like the Da Vinci style, where I was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap, and I would just take a little nap, and I get up, and I'd like refresh, and then go back to it. So I was just burning through that, but it originally reset. But one of the things you said is, and this is kind of an interesting thing that's a similar process process I like to do is when you're working with your DOP, who's basically your eyes being in sync with that person is so important. Um, one thing that yeah. I learned from Denny Villeneuve from studying him is that him and Roger Deakins and the script writer and his Denny's uh, storyboard artists, they would sit in the room and they would kind of hash out the film, which I think is, that's probably the process I'm going to do forever. That, that's such an important process. The problem for Solace for us is that I was actually the first storyboard artist, which is I'm not a storyboard artist. So we had to get another friend, our friend Diogo, who's amazing. So he actually translated some of my shitty drawings into like actually beautiful illustrations. But you mentioned getting together with your DOP the night before or um, to plan and build those things out. What's that process like for you and how important is it? And did you kind of, when you had the script, did you go with your DOP before all this and go sit down and have a whole like debriefing and how that kind of get, how did you guys get up to speed together? Right. This is, this is quite a good question actually, because <clears throat> oh, freaking Corona dude. Oh, the virus <laughs> is here. Light the fires, dude. shut the windows, protect dude. the children. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a bit of a, a hacky cough thing that I've had going on for quite a long time actually. And it's like partly a hair fever thing. Yeah, oh. I've had this I've had this going on for like a year or so. It's just a one of those crap things I need to get around to seeing. A, it's yeah, called it's, directing it's, a film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Sorry, I'm making horrible weird noises. So um, <laughs> yeah, none of that stuff to answer your question panned out either the way I expected it to, or ideally the way I would have wanted it on the way in. Mm. Now, bear in mind that back in the day, my whole thing was comics. And originally I wanted to be a comic artist. And my whole time at university was spent drawing comics and making comics. Ever since I was, God, I don't know, like 13 or something, I was in the Air Cadets and I had a, a really good friend of mine who I'm actually writing a project with at the moment, a chap called Stephen Tag. Um, we were like best mates, yeah, we've been like best mates for like, well, since I was 13, so it's a long time now. Um, 
win the Air Cadets and just making comics and drawing comics. So my whole thing originally is sequential art. And the reason why I love comics is because, um, well, I love reading comics, so I love making them. But all my comics pretty much, I started painting them when I got to uni, but before then it was all just line art. It was like black pen, white page. Mm-hmm. And it was just because it, it made me good at drawing because, you know, there's like, there's nothing to there's hide an article Simon Bisley who had this whole thing he said one time about how there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, if you just exactly. The black pen on a white page is nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, and I always really took that to heart and thought that would be how to get good at drawing. So I used to draw like that all the time. But, uh, yeah, me and my mate Steve used to come up with ideas for stories and, and uh, he'd write them and I'd um, draw them. And so, you know, that, that whole thing was very natural to me. So That's awesome. I, but, but this is a weird thing. I found that, that a, a bunch of things happened when it came to um, pre-production. Now, basically, I'd written the story, uh, written the script, come up with a story. I'd had the whole thing worked out. Um, for quite a long time. And a couple of times I'd sat down and tried to storyboard it and I'd not really got anywhere. And there's a couple of reasons for that, which I couldn't figure out. I just couldn't crack it. I'd just, I'd pull out a pen and I'd draw a bunch of rectangles and I'd have the script and I'd be reading it and I'd start doing some doodles in little thumbnails, you know, the, the little Sid Mead two-inch thumbnails. Yeah, those are the best. Yeah, I'd be a doing those. those. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd, I'd do like sort of two or three or four, <clears throat> excuse me, pages of uh, A4 um, sketches. And then I just so I'd spend like an, an evening at it and then I'd like stop and I just kind of wouldn't go back to it. And I did this like two or three times <clears throat> and there was something about it that was stopping me from advancing. And I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. Um, and now I've got to the back end of it. I think I've figured out what was going on. But at the time when I was in the middle of it, I just felt really weird about it because I just couldn't get my head into it properly. And it, it, I felt like it was an important thing that needed doing. Mm. And it was something that should come very naturally to me. And it wasn't doing. Mm. And I wasn't really sure why. And it was making me feel a bit weird. But because we still you feel like sense. a failure at that point when you're doing you're like, what the fuck? Like, why can't I just move this? Why can't I make <clears> this happen? Well, there were two, there was two parts to it. Firstly, um, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do good drawing and that stopped me from thinking because <sighs> I needed to have a flow with storyboarding. Yes. And I'd be like, oh, my God, that doesn't even look like a face. And as soon as you get into shit like that and you're thinking, you're out of the the whole sequential image job that you actually sat down to do. Yep. And as someone who had trained and worked as a professional illustrator and a cartoonist and then hadn't drawn routinely for over 10 years I was rusty as fuck Mm. and I was beating myself up about every mark I put on that white page Mm -hmm. that black pen touching that white page there was so much um like so much it was weird it was like a combination of like some of it was guilt some of it was agony some of it was me just feeling like I'm really crap at what I'm doing and shouldn't be there self-doubt stuff coming in yeah Part of thinking this is stupid it's just some scribbles just get on with it mm. all those things rolling around inside my head just dislocated my brain knocked me out of gear and stopped me from actually doing the job I'd sat down to do but I didn't really understand it at the time. I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm. <clears throat> so there's so. a combo of things. So it was, it was being too precious and also being so rusty and then also for thinking it. And then, then that vicious cycle kept spinning, right? Is that what you're saying? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's what that's where that's where a lot of people get blocked. Yeah. But what happened was I, you know, when when I was getting into that early earlier on in the process, it was easy for me to beat myself up for a couple of days and just get distracted, go off, do some other stuff, design some stuff, do some concept art, bunch of robots need doing, let's design a set, blah 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 blah, tons of other jobs to do. Sure. So, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> so I got a dry throat now. I'll have a nice drink of water. Yeah, go for so it. That was, that Treat was yourself all. to some water. <laughs> Flush that COVID mm, down. Wet. Yeah. Excuse me, some lovely moist water. Yeah, there you go. So um, what happened when we got towards the shoot, there was so much stuff going on. I didn't even worry about storyboarding because there was so much stuff happening. Mm. And then when we got over to, you know, when I moved out, like packed my suitcases and moved out there, and we had like a two-week period. Now, I only had... No, it was a week. It was a week before we shot that. I actually, I was going over in weekends and stuff because it's like a two-hour flight from um, London to Budapest. So we used to, uh, we used to call it the Hungarian washing machine, where <clears throat> you'd go out on flight on Friday, get picked up from the airport, straight into meetings, 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 till like sort of two o'clock in the morning. Off to the hotel, six hours sleep, cars outside at eight, um, <clears throat> off to more meetings, just cramming all these meetings, and it was like being in a washing machine. And then at the end of the last meeting, it was like a crazy, usually a crazy psychotic taxi drive back at high speed to the airport just in time to jump on the plane. I mean, that happened more than once, like thinking <laughs> it's a plane. It was fun times, but it was all very seat-of-the-pants stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um I went out there with Laurie. We didn't, because Laurie was coming off another job and we were super lucky to have him. Um, I only actually had him for a week of prep. So he was out there whilst we, we actually flew out together when I, we both moved out there to do the job and live out in Hungary. <clears throat> we both moved out together and flew out together from Gatwick. And so I actually met, I'd met Laurie a couple of times um, socially just to, you know, before we actually started. But we were still, you know, we still didn't really know each other. So, yeah, we flew out together. And um, <clears throat> so no, so we only had like a week to prep out there, which was like crazy, crazy quick. Because yeah. we you know, the, the sets were pretty much built and they were just finishing painting them. And Laurie's walking around them looking at how we're going to light them. And the sets were pretty much 360 sets. So it was going to be about cutting That's holes, fitting things in and stuff. So Do you like to film like that too? Do you like to, because to, I know that... Um, uh, Gareth is the same with when he was doing like Rogue One and his other films too. He likes to work in that fluid state of 360. So we go like, oh, look, it looks cool over here. Let's try that. Or let's try it. Is that, is that if you can afford it? I'm sure all directors want to do that. But is that something yeah. that you designed? Because you know the, how films work in the production side of things too. So, yeah. Well, it also simplifies things because if you build a whole solid set, it just gives you, it takes away, um, it takes away things that can slow you down, like yeah. flying out wall or doing this or doing that if there's something specific you can build it in but um <clears throat> generally speaking i'll yeah i've always just i mean i've only done it twice but it's worked really well both times so and i i like having the complete space because it kind of half lights itself mm. because i like lighting things indirectly with bounce i just find things look really pretty and natural yeah um so we where are we then yeah oh your, your process when he's running around the sets yeah yeah, so what happened was I also figured out that one of the things that was stopping me from storyboarding, because the set was designed quite late on in the uh, pre-production process, mm. uh, one of the things that was stopping me from boarding was that I didn't know what the space was 
And so I didn't know what kind of depth I had to work with or what kind of cool sure. stuff I could get out of the shots other than here's a picture of someone's face. <laughs> so um, what happened was we all of a sudden we got out there and we were shooting. And what I found was I, I did a bunch of boards and walked onto the set on day one and they were immediately, they were almost useless. Mm. And what it was, was that, um, on day one, me and Laurie would, we would talk things through over breakfast and we, he was asking me what we thought we should be doing. And I was showing him the boards. Um, and then he basically simplified my boards. Um, and he's like, okay, we'll, we'll get that and that and that. And I remember at the time I was like, well, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, that's a setup. This, this image that you've done here is basically a setup. So we'll shoot that. Um, and so that was basically what I came to understand was that it's better to board in terms of setups rather than an entire sequence of shot, 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 shot. Yes. Now I'm talking about coverage and shooting on a set in an extended run of time, like when you're in there day after day after day after day after day. Now, there is some stuff that is great to board, which is where you've got a specific sequence that you want to use, specifically if it's going to involve VFX or if it's anything other than, um, I don't want to say just moving the camera around because we did all kinds of tricksy stuff on Archive, but it didn't really need boarding because once we knew what the set was and we knew what the space was, I can say, okay, I want Steadicam and I want, I want to be right behind him over his shoulder, and we're going to start here, and we're going to walk all the way down there. We'll stop there, do a quick check, try that door. doesn't work. Try that door, it opens, and we're in there, and that's the shot. Hmm. And I don't need to board for that, and no one no. needs to see any boards for that. And I can already – everybody can immediately see it in the head, including the actor. So we can just get on and do it. Yeah. And given that that setup might have taken two hours – to get five takes of it and totally nail it um, for a sequence that becomes nearly a minute of the final film. It's a really effective way to spend that time. Mm. And, it and it's a smarter, more efficient way too. Yeah. Not getting so, too fussy. Yeah. Well, what I started doing was I started storyboarding in setups instead of storyboarding whole sequences because the bits that needed any fancy stuff going on, had already worked those out. So what I was doing was I was trying to come up with like, I was trying to storyboard things like, there's like a moment where a couple of people walk in a room and they have a little backwards and forwards and then walk over to the other side of the room to where something is. Mm. Um, and storyboarding that, I might have to do like 14 little drawings. And it's all the same thing. It's like, here's a guide head, here's a guide head. So what I'll do... <laughs> over shoulder, the, over shoulder, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd do like the, you know, the, the, um, the overs. Um, that's like two very simple little boards um, and you know the camera's traveling, so basically you're stopping here, and there's some traveling, you stop here. Yeah. And the shot might be dead at points. Like the, the over might only be nice when they're talking, and when they start moving, they might, you know, it might get all messy, but it doesn't matter because you're not getting that. You're only in it for the overs and the talking. Yeah. So the dialogue. So I started storyboarding setups instead of actual scenes. And as soon as I, I kind of, that kind of clicked, which was pretty much straight away, I was like, oh my God, this is so much, this whole job. Is so much simpler than I thought it was because I was agonizing, thinking I've got to do a graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, but you that don't. Was, yeah, because this no, isn't a graphic novel; not, it's a movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also because I had um, spent a bit of time doing backwards and forwards with Laurie at this point and doing really shitty sketches, I'd got over my um, uh, my whole thing about everything having to be a beautiful illustration. 
Um, I mean, it's, tra- it's a good no. amb- ambition to have, you know, and it doesn't hurt. But at the same time, like you said, I think it's you found a better mechanism, you know. Well, it really, it really made me feel comfortable um, working as a director because I found that I could. Um, what I would do is I'd go home um, in the evening. And even if I was going out, whatever I was doing, it would always be a stop. Well, usually it would be a stop off at the uh, uh, the place where we're staying. And so what I would do is I'd I'd straight away I would board the setups for the next day, and I wouldn't do anything until I'd got those done. Mm-hmm. And it usually take me about an hour, an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and then I could go to the pub and, and get smashed and come in the next morning and <laughs> it was all good. Because um, I had my I had my breakfast conversation notes already there. Yeah. And Actually, it only took a couple of days. Me and Laurie are like totally on the same page, and everything's fine. Sure. But knowing that and going through that now, um, it just made me much more because you know it's nice to storyboard big sequences if you can. Yes. But it took away my sort of self pressure to right. have to do that, and also to, like I said, to try and make a graphic novel that everyone looks at and goes, "Whoa, look how awesome this is." Yeah, because that's not it's a communication document and it's just about being comfortable with that. And it's tricky when you come from an illustration background and being rusty with a pen. It's ironic. It's so funny that you experienced the same thing. I just had the same thing. And I was sitting there drawing Olaf and I were on the call. We were trying to take this the script into uh, picture form. And I was sitting there and I was like, fuck, I haven't drawn in what feels like forever and the time that i do draw i just draw whatever i want and i'm not being specific like this you know so and i was like son of a bitch and i was getting legitimately angry with myself but then i just kind of went you know what i'm just not good at this that's totally fine and and i think it's a thing that what i'd like try to do in um all of these productions i go i'd be honest with myself i go like am i good with like texturing and uving or am i good with rigging and animating if i hit a wall where i go i'm just not either passionate about it or there's somebody better than me i just find that person to fulfill that and thankfully this person actually reached out to me before this and was like i really want to be a part of this and i was like well you'd be perfect to storyboard this thing and he was like i'll do it and he did an amazing job so that all kind of worked out nicely but the idea that you like because i remember that same feeling like okay i suck this thing needs to be perfect i want people to be impressed with my artistic skills and then I, none of those things were working so i was like well, I got to throw it in against the wall and deal with it. And I remember I was kind of depressed. I was sitting in the hotel room out in um, Vienna. I was out in Vienna um, doing a talk and I was storyboarding the film. And I remember I just sat there and I said, okay, I'm not going outside as much as I wanted to. I'm like, I'm not going outside until I fucking storyboard this shit. And so I <laughs> sat there and I just, I just really roughly worked through in, in very simple terms, the, the film in my sketchbook. And I was, after I was done with that, I was okay, good. It looks like shit, but at least I can use it to communicate to the rest of the team. And it did, it worked and it was enough to get us started. Um, but yeah, I, I think also too, if like this, if it's, this is like your first kind of working interaction with your DOP, it's so important to kind of iron those things out to see how dependent one another, one of you guys are on, on the process of getting the vision established, you know, but once you do and things become, you become a second hand, it's like when, when you become a team, you meld to one, it's like, then you don't even have to say anything. You both know when a take works. You both know when the light's working. You both know when this is going to work and, and so on and so forth. At least that's the goal, right? Because the moment you don't have that interaction, you're like, fuck, this is horrible, <laughs> you know? So, which is so important to finding the right people because it saves you the biggest headaches at all times. So, Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because I've been, over the past 
few days, I've been putting together, um, I've been going through my hard drives and pulling out all my uh, behind the scenes footage that I shot on my phone and just passing it all over to Phil because they're going to get an editor to do like a, a, you know, like a little behind the scenes. So I've got all this stuff I've shot and I was um, looking through some of it today because it's kind of in a few different places. So I've been kind of rounding things up. And I was watching this little bit of footage of um, so that someone was shooting, and there's me and Laurie there, and Laurie's at the monitor. And I was t- I was sort of wandering around talking to people, just kind of getting them to say who they are and what they're doing for this reason. So I was just wandering around going, hi, who are you and what do you do? And they're all just like, you know, giving me all these little kind of comedy answers about what they're up to. And Laurie was sat at a monitor, and we were filming this thing where he did some – phenomenal work with um led uh, light panels because uh he had complete control of them and doing all these crazy things changing states and like stuff like the spudniks uh, or something pardon the spudnik lights is that what he was using uh i can't remember what they were called that's what greg, um, greg fraser uses well we had LED the spudnik ones I, that doesn't sound familiar i don't think it was spudnik um he had these panels and he had them doing this really cool like cycle um, in the set and on the monitor it just looked great. Mm. And in this little video, um, I was uh, I was stood behind him and I was like, so then Laurie, what's going on here? And he just points at the screen and he goes, he's about Laurie, he's like, he's, he, he doesn't suffer fools, he doesn't waste any time, do you know what I mean? He's a real, um, something I really, I really appreciated about him. Um, like if he's there, it's because he wants to be there. Do you know what I mean? That's awesome. And he and gives it to you as it is. Yeah. And he's just so good. And he, his work's just brilliant. And he, he just points at the monitor and he goes, that looks fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just, just looking at it and just being like, yeah, man, you are totally nailing this. That's awesome. And just those moments, right like I remember that. those moments from when we were shooting, but just watching it and just looking at his face in this video of him pointing at, at, at what, <sighs> what we're doing together and just saying this looks fucking cool and just being like does it looks really cool i love those moments yeah that that stuff that stuff means a lot to me those kind of little moments it's good that you've you captured it too which is awesome i i I know how important this stuff is and how bad my memory is so my really close friend from my childhood is actually making a documentary in this whole this whole process that we're making this film and it's 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 really cool because to see stuff that had happened that i've already forgotten about like you said it's like these little treasure troves you know um i I guess it's the equivalent that most people probably like the common person would feel when they see like their kid uh hit the baseball or something like that you know it's like these little moments of like shared glee you know which is really cool but, we are the common people, Ash. Remember? Yeah, it, but we aren't though. It's really we're, we're quite weird, and the more we fall, which is weirdos into, work all the time is what it is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true though, because like the more we fall into our own ambitions, like the further away from reality we get. You know what I mean? Like the like higher up, literally. I mean, that's what this whole thing is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it, it, it's it is it's a. It's a very interesting thing that we do, and it's 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 incredibly rewarding. And I I do I really appreciate your maturity level of approaching uh, how do you deal with outside influence. I remember listening to to Joe Rogan's podcast. He had the singer from Queens of the Stone Age. It was a really good episode, and like I I really enjoy his music. But it was really I enjoy his music even more after listening to his podcast. But he had told Joe that he hadn't paid attention or listened or read 
any anybody's comment about his work for over a decade because he was like why would they know more than i know about what the thing that i'm trying to make you know and i was like oh that's so perfect i think it works really well for for music especially if it's coming from an accomplished successful musician it's yeah. a little different for films and you know which is somewhat of a committee art art piece um unfortunately but um yeah I always like David Lynch's take on it um, when people ask him um, to talk about his film and then he says the film is the talking. So that's <laughs> quite a cool response. It's, it's a great response. I was listening to this documentary on that um, Polish painter Beksinski. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with his work. And um, it was a really good little short like 10-minute essay on him. But they had said that he would refuse to name his his paintings and he would refuse to talk about them because he felt that if he were to infer anything that he would be ruining the art that the, the art itself is should like Lynch says, and it's true. It's, it should be doing the talking, you know? Um, I always feel like I, I'm always crossing those two lines because I know Steven Spielberg doesn't do BTS, but I also love Fincher's films and I also love his PTS. So it yeah. just goes to show you there's no right way. There's, there's all the right ways. They're all right. And they're all wrong at the same time. A, a, a saying that my friend Olaf said on set, which I thought was so perfect is he's like, everything is the mo- most important thing right now. You know, it's yeah. so true. It's like the sound is the most important thing. And then the weather is the most important thing. It's all the things are the most important things. And, and that's really like why I said I had that epiphany. I was like, well, I've read what Lynch does. I le- I read and I studied what Fincher does. I, all these guys, Hitchcock and all that stuff. And as much as I appreciate their work, there has to be a moment when you make your work where you go, I'm going to just do my thing and fail on my own or succeed on my own. You know, so it's a sketchy spot, but yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting, I found a what appeared to be a little bit of a hole in um, coverage, really, which makes sense when you think about it afterwards. Um, you know, this whole thing about, I mean, I'm sure we'll have read all the same books and seen all the same um, videos on this stuff. Like Alien was my um, kind of pattern almost for pre-production that I was trying to follow. I was reading a lot about what Ridley Scott did with Alien, about how he organized things and how he got stuff together. Um, and it's also like one of the films that I know the most about too. So it was, Same. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's an easy thing to reference, right? Cause they did a lot of things absolutely right on that film. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I found was when you take, if you take a director, right? So we'll take Ridley Scott in this example and we'll look at the end result, which is alien. And then we'll reverse time backwards and we'll look at what's documented and we'll see what we can learn from that as we reverse time. Okay. So you can wind back through the shoot. There's loads of coverage of that. We all know what happens. Loads of lovely cool photos of all the cast, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. That's all cool. You can go back further than that and you can see the set being built and you can see the models being built. Um, you can read H.R. Giga's diaries and you can find out about his experience of moving over to England and um, building the monster and his encounters with people like Voicey and all of the stuff that was going on and what Dan O'Bannon was up to. You can, you can learn all that stuff um, about Giga being in England and coming to England. Um, you can go back through, you can read Dan O'Bannon's book and you can get his perspective on it all. Um, you can watch all the documentaries on the quadrilogy set and all the other stuff that's come after that, <laughs> um, the anniversary Mother. stuff. 
you know, you can listen, you can see Ridley Scott in a in a dark room with a black background, smoking cigars, <laughs> talking about heavy metal magazine, talking yes. about uh, meeting Giga. Um, I love that he's just fucking smashing an Arnold Schwarzenegger cigar. In this. <laughs> yeah, just, the indulgence is at an all time high right there. I love it. Yeah, but there's a there's a point where it gets fuzzy. Um, you, you, the the big story that comes out about um, Alien is uh, the Ridley Grams. And about you know Ridley Scott doing his boards mm-hmm. and how he used Doubling that to double budget. budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Four point two to eight point four or whatever it was. That's exactly. Um, yeah. We so, know but, too much about this film. I love it. Yeah. Well, this is it, right? It's, it's our school. Important. It's our schooling. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is our school. But there's a there's a point where you get into a bit of a gap. Like once you drill into this level of detail, and and then you look at yourself <laughs> making a film. And you look at all the things you've got to deal with, especially if it's something that you've written as well. And you look at all the decisions you've got to make and all the planning you've got to do and the order things have got to go down in. And then you look back at Alien or any other, most of the films for that matter, I think, you'll find that there's all kinds of bits missing about what you need to do as a director. Tons, tons of things missing. Yeah. And that was just that I was really trying to drill down on because I was like, what did everybody else, like things like Alien, right? We could like, you know, there's so much about it that we know, but there's still shitloads that we don't, which is the stuff that what was going through Ridley Scott's head. Yes, on the day to day. Yeah, and, and, and we could see how he was dealing with the actors too. He wasn't even directing them; he was kind of letting them do their thing, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it, like that's those that, that actually that's cool that you mentioned that because there are gaps in that process of, and I found them huge gaps, and I was like, oh shit, like I don't even know where like where this is, you know, how he dealt with that, or that team dealt with that, or she dealt with that, or whatever. Um, but what I had fulfilled what in my process is I went, okay, that's a huge valley or an abyss in my knowledge. So what I'm going to fill with that, I was, I'm going to fill um, openness, learning, willingness, and like care. Yeah. And I just filled it with that. And I was like, okay, I went, cause I went right to my, my actors and I said, look, I'm green. I don't know the best way to do this. And I had a fucking amazing sitting powwow with them. And I, we all sat there and they were just like, the best thing to do is just to let us do our jobs and kind of give us nudges. We will get you from one side to the other but it's not your job to paint us. We're we're that that that's our job. And the moment I did that and respected that, man, the process went so smooth. If I had not been willing to do that and been staunch about my beliefs as to who I was as the director and them to follow my vision and stuff, oh, I don't think it would be a fun experience. I really think it'd be pretty horrible. But I guess yeah. that's a, that's the level of shifting between that knowledge, you know? Because you're right, and I think we both we t- we went to the school of alien basically and we've both studied it to pretty great lengths it sounds like you've read more books than i have where i've gone pretty dark far into it but um yeah there's huge gaps in that knowledge but yeah yeah no that's exactly it though you've just got a you just got a plow ahead yes. um trust your producer and <laughs> figure and it out yeah and figure it out yeah absolutely dude I freaking adore the hell out of you. I have to go because I have to go walk my dog. Um, I could talk to you for hours. We definitely need to do this again. I really actually, after talking about alien with you too, I, I think perhaps if, and when um, 
both of our films and things come out, you obviously are much uh, further ahead of me by having a feature length film. It's a completely different monster, but I think it would be interesting to hear our perspective on the alien movie again, <laughs> post directing. Um, because I think, Ooh, I think there's one. a whole totally different perspective that we can offer to people, not only people to ourselves too. And also by doing that, because I learned a lot, even just from those episodes, just like, Oh shit, you saw that. I didn't see that. And I, and, I will be honest, the time we did it, I was simply just a film fan. I'm not a film director yet. I actually did direct a thing, but I'm not a feature film director. But I have gone through a bit of the war of it. So I do have a completely different perspective on it. Um, yeah. And I know you have completely different as well. And I think there's a lot of things that we could look at and go, holy shit, the subtlety of that thing, I never realized it. Yeah. Or the coverage for that shot or that scene right there is fucking insane. Or I can't believe they yeah. pulled that off. Or the, all of that stuff. It's you gain a whole new perspective of, of I stopped basically what had happened after doing this is I stopped hating on film so much. <laughs> That's really what happened. I went, I went, holy yeah. shit. It's a miracle that any of this shit, even if it's crap, it gets done. And I hats off to every, anybody that makes it happen. Cause it's not easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, I'm hoping that this thing passes and that you get to have, your fucking your nail in the coffin that uh, will be good i appreciate that thank you will be good it'll it'll all be it'll all be good yes i'm gonna put as many good vibes as i can out there for you and and i know every uh, your fans of your work are as well and i and i also want people that are listening to know that like to really be inspired by you and to be inspired by your journey and i really hope they they that they that if you're listening to this and you have any kind of doubt in yourself like you should listen to us losers that have managed to make it happen well i'll speak for myself <laughs> never you know, go loser, outside. So. yeah never go outside and sacrifice your entire everything to this weird art um is there anything that we might have missed that i, I know that you wanted to bring up i know there's never enough time because we could go for hours and hours yeah i'll like, remember all these things like five post. minutes after done. Yeah, same same <laughs> i will and we'll save it for another episode because i think this is your third time coming on minus the commentary Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I I I love having you on, and I love talking with you about the things that we love. So we could just got to do more. So anytime, um, you can get me anytime. I love uh, I love chatting with you about stuff like this. Yeah. It's rare that I manage to get into these kind of like I really appreciate these like midnight deep level chats. It's almost like the podcast equivalent of like a midnight movie or something. <laughs> it's a different thing talking in the middle of the night when there's no distractions. It's true. Yes. Cause you're mainly just focused on the, the, the immediacy of the conversation. So yeah. 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 Super proud of you dude. And massive fucking Thanks, congratulations. Man. It's huge. Please celebrate it and, 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 and enjoy that. <laughs> I know you have, but just for me in the next couple of days, have a fucking wine or beer and just go like fucking yes. You know, progress I'll you know so I'll please do, do it I can't me. wait to see what you've been cooking up to man honestly yeah. getting into Star Wars oh yeah yeah it's it's I think you're I'm gonna there. like it I think you're gonna like it yeah knowing I'm how there. close we are on things I think you're really gonna like it so <laughs> cool. I'll have to I'll, I'll tease some stuff to you um through, through Skype that. and stuff so yeah cool man awesome well have a wonderful night and a progressive uh and a progressive or a a uh, couple weeks as it comes through as we deal with all this madness and stuff so and um, yeah, yeah. you stay safe two meters distance alright yeah two meters baby <laughs> hugs one. from afar thanks for everybody I really appreciate you giving us your ears yes go watch archive <laughs> <laughs> boom there it is everybody wow couldn't be more proud of that guy how awesome is it I just it words don't express how excited and, and happy i get when my friends succeed 
it just makes me so happy uh, i just am so proud of him and so thankful that he's so willing to to share his, his his life with us and his journey and be so open so massive props please um, send him some love and big thanks to Gavin we're all hoping and fingers crossed and wishing that once this pandemic kind of clears out that uh, your wish will be granted and we'll be able to see your film as it's designed in the future in the, in the theater so but yeah so so thankful um, you know where you can find the links to the show notes <laughs> for this week's episode you gotta go to the collectivepodcast.com slash 227 yeah, that's where you're going to find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. I hope you're all doing well. I know this is a very awkward time. Um, it's odd for, I think, all of us. And um, the one thing that we can have control of is ourselves and how we manage our day-to-day. And so remember that you're in control of this as much as you can and try to build and sustain your own happiness. Go learn something new. Take this time to focus on yourself and really gain some new skills and uh yeah go out there be powerful be prolific peace out everybody